0: episode number 32. Welcome to the Tartan Running Shorts podcast hosted by Tom Bryan and myself Kyle Gregg. So Tom, another day, another dollar. You're back still in your office clothes, back from work, back to do another TRS episode on a Monday night.
1: And what an episode it's going to be. We've got part two of Robbie Simpson this week and we've also got the district cross-country preview which is hot on our radar being certainly on the east side being held in in Aberdeen, so yeah, plenty to plenty to talk about this week. How are you going on? Are you recovered yeah. yet from the eighty?
0: Oh, I don't know, Tom. Um, I think I'm getting there, but I mean, I mean, it's it's one of those things that I I keep saying uh, I ran eighty-one miles. I didn't bloody run eighty-one miles. I ran forty miles and walked 40, 41 miles, Tom. So I've got to I've got to stop telling people <laughs> I've, just, I've just ran a, a, a an eighty-one mile race. Now that was going to be a running rant um, was. People who say that they've ran 81 miles or they've run an ultramarathon and they keep harping on about it. You're so nice there
1: because there's a lot of folk marathon marathoners who are like, oh, I, did I ran a marathon. Like, mm, six and a half
0: hours. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, nine hours. I mean, my last marathon's embarrassing. Nine hours isn't a run. That's a, it's not even a walk. That's a, a crawl. I mean, what's the cutoff for London Marathon? Is it not six and nine. a half, seven hours?
1: Uh, that's a very good question, actually.
0: You've got to define what running is. I mean, it's six and a half hours. Probably means that you could probably run. You could probably walk elements of it, but you you need to be doing some running. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: But it also, def- it's probably also defined on stride length and in in and, uh, and also cadence.
1: Well, and- I guess if you've got two feet off the ground.
0: That yeah. Your, so
1: the so the question would be: Did you at any stage during that nine hours have a moment when you were, you both your feet were off the ground?
0: <laughs> when I slid down the hill and my my legs <laughs> were <laughs> up, <laughs> sliding down the hill on my ass. Uh, but no, I, I don't see. I was thinking that, but I think I tried to I, I I tried to explain it last week in the show. I tried to move my arms really really fast so that my legs would move fast as well but my legs just didn't move fast and there wasn't that there wasn't that like two feet off the grind moment for a while so it was kind of just like tick to you know like John Wayne style 10 to (laughs) 2 walking all the way all the way back to the finish you know or all the way way to the finish so nah
1: so so how has that left you so regardless of whether you class it as a 40 mile run and a 40 mile walk or whatever or 18 hours of exercise how how are you feeling now
0: i was pretty knackered last week at the start of the week even in the podcast i i kept it together pretty well actually but saying that we we did we didn't do it on a monday night last week No, we didn't it was like thursday so hopefully i was i was actually not that bad um but on the monday and tuesday i was fairly dehydrated despite taking in lots of fluid and, and nutrition um, but I think it's quite important when you're doing something gonna, that's going to take so much out of your body, you really need to be careful and not eating junk food and not eating shite and not drinking beers and that. I mean, hey, it's okay to drink a, the odd beer too, but when you've completely depleted your body full of all that, you really need to ensure that you're taking all the proteins that you've just broke down and from your muscles and your, mm-hmm. all the other bodily tissues that you have um so so yeah but I, I think i'm feeling a lot better now um i did i ended up going out for a run on sunday and i, I tried to do like a an hour of fart um just varying the the intervals from like between four minutes and six minutes and changing it up a wee bit up and we went up this this hill uh karenny hill it's called mm-hmm. so we went up there and uh me and deb Debbie went out she kind of just podded along she's got a bit of an injury just now um but yeah I ended up feeling okay just a little bit sluggish you know but ah it's I'll get there and today I went out for a little jog and um I felt felt okay five miles in the bag so good yeah yeah getting there
1: any news on the UTMB entry when will you find out about that when will you find out if if it's not all been in vain
0: oh don't say that Tom you yeah, know I had a I, I think I dreamt that I uh, it was all in vain a few days ago and I was like I, I woke up Debbie and I was like yeah I don't think I'm in uh, but yeah I think, I'm, I think I'm in so I, I the, the registration opens mid-December so uh, I've still got another few days to to check but I think the result does show up in my athlete profile now and it does show that I've got the required number of points so okay yeah uh, so I'm hoping that, fingers crossed, I think we're we want a winner. Fantastic.
1: On the yeah. on, Just to go back on your point about walking, here's a potentially controversial uh, way to look at it. And I'm not suggesting this is what I would define as walking, but the 10k world record for walking is
0: 37.11. Is it though, Tom? I, well,
1: that's why I wanted to throw out there. Just So let me just rattle out a few of these before. I know where you're going. Let me give you some stats. So 5K world record, 1805, 10,000, 10K, I assume on the road, 3711. Awesome, some uh, interesting Russian names here. Um, on the, is this the right, make sure I'm not really an out of date thing. Anyway, and what we want to hear about is Marathon. I can't find Marathon. I've got a 40K race in 251. So we're talking anyway. That's the sort of that is the order of magnitude we're talking about. So what what do you make of that?
0: The other one, what's interesting is the that's interesting is the one mile world record. Is that not like five five and a half minutes or something?
1: Five thirty six again, set in nineteen ninety by some uh, Russian. East, Eastern European.
0: There, there you go. I mean that that just proves my, although, my point. Although although
1: I although mean... d- although again, I'm and I. So obviously we're very anti-doping on TRS, but what about um what what I mean race walking? That's uh I mean surely the the limitation is the is must be technique surely.
0: Well the the I think the world one mile records actually Tom is it not a guy called Tom Bosworth? Is he not a GB guy?
1: Yes, yeah, maybe uh, I may I may well have a, an out of date set of
0: records. Five five thirty one. He's ran a mile in, or know? walked a mile in. <laughs> But did he not get carded? Well, five. Oh, no. uh, so that was Diamond run, How can you, how can you walk five and a half minute miles? I mean that's, that's two twenty five pace for a marathon. Yeah, that's bon- It's bonkers. That's, uh, I mean that, that that's. I I don't know. I mean I I think you've got to. I mean it, it's defined by one foot always on the ground, isn't it? Yeah. And, and when, when these records have been set, it's only, there's it's not video analysis, it's all done through the naked eye, I believe. Yeah. Is that yeah. not the case?
1: I think so, it's, yeah. It's, it's not, they don't use video technology, it's relying on, yeah, the umpires. Because it's when you, I remember watching, I think it was a Diamond League with Tom Bosworth, maybe it was the Olympics or something, and he clearly had a couple of fouls, and no, there was nothing done about it, and you think, this is ridiculous. It's absolutely it's- ridiculous. <laughs> I'm so i I find race walking a ridiculous sport
0: I, 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 I do as well like I mean imagine imagine going through the town through the town of of Filey at 2 a.m race walking that's, it just what,
1: would, yeah, it would, that's yeah. what you were doing effectively
0: well you yeah
1: 26 pace
0: I was even walking faster than the lady in high heels <laughs> yeah. so, like, oh man but no I mean yeah. going, going along the prom and you see somebody racewalking, like <laughs> okay, maybe that location would be the, the, you know, the right place to do it. But I just, it's just embarrassing watching it. Like, it just, uh, I, it, it doesn't even look good for you. I think, I think that's the thing where, I mean, it's obviously a really good upper body workout. Um, but it, it certainly looks like it puts a greater stress on your your ankles, your knees, your hip joints than, you know, normal walking would. Um, so, but then also, people you could argue is that's that's the same in, in effect for running as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, race walking puts probably less there's less impact through your joints because you're not running, you're not landing as hard down. Um, but yeah, just I mean it's a great way of exercising. Don't get me wrong, if you can't run and you can race walk, go for it. But I I just think it's a. But then you could argue, Tom, is darts a sport? It's it's not really, yeah. is it? It must be. But, the,
1: the thing is, that, to be fair, at race walking, the pain threshold must these guys must be quite high. Cause it's so uncomfortable to do. But my only concern, my what annoys me is that when people are getting flagged in these races for violating what is walking, you think like, this is taking the piss. The, you know. It's, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But then, it, I mean, it's it's not the same as doping, but it's it's cheat. It's a form of cheating, isn't it? But yeah. whether or not they, but then they it's probably. In the, yeah, exactly. In defensive race walkers, there must be such a red line. You know, if you just step over that red line, you, 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 you there's an element of running, and it must be so difficult to, 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 hold that because if you don't hold that red line, you're not going to get world records. You're not going to win these races. But I, 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 mean, what, what, what heart rates do these guys get to? Do you know? I have no idea. I, I would assume that it wouldn't be. I don't know. I I just, I don't think you would get to the same heart rate that you would run in, but, um, but yeah, it must, it must be more muscular fatiguing than, than heart and lungs fatiguing. How do you get, how do you get into,
1: how do you get into race walking then? Google it. No, but how do you get into it? I mean, is it something you, you try athletics and you, you find you've got wobbly hips and you fancy trying that?
0: I I'm 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 genuinely fascinated I think, to find out how kids get into it. I think you just have to, you you probably just have to grow up here and just start walking fast and uh and not caring what people think about you when and that's how you get into it and you just train your body to race walk. We should try and we should,
1: really, on, we, should,
0: we, should, we, the, should we should get a race walker on the we show. Should, we should. That would be great. That would be really really good. Because we have I've got no idea, but no it is. It is an athletic sport. I mean, Absolutely. it's an, it's an IAAF-accredited sport. Um, I mean, there's a there's a GB team. Uh, there's a team GB team in athletics. You can check the selection policies. Yeah. There's a 50K racewalk world championships. Um, so it's a it's actually, I don't know if it's 50K. It could be. Yeah,
1: it is. You're right. It's 50K. 50K, is
0: it? Yeah. The 50K, uh, and,
1: and while you say that, the, 50, the 50, 50K world record is 323. That's, really? I mean, that's outrageous. For that's eight k beyond the marathon. So, I'm, I'm trying to do some maths in my head. That I mean, that's that is quick.
0: But do, I mean, I'm gonna yeah. I, I, a little shout out to the listeners here. So, if any listeners has done or competed in a race walking race or have have even attempted it, let us know what your thoughts are and give us a little bit more insight in, into what your your views are. Um, because I I think it'd be really quite interesting to to know. I'm not, you know, I I say I'm prob- it's one of those sports. It's like ah, I don't know much about it, so I'm a little bit, um, I, I'm just a bit standoffish about it. But it's probably really, really good. You
1: yeah, know, I I, no, I agree. I mean, I'm I'm I am tongue in cheek slagging off. I think the guys are clearly training hard. They're, they're elite athletes, not about it. I just don't understand it. I found a quote here. The the famous Olympic commentator Bob Costa he once compared race walking to a contest to see who can whisper the loudest i
0: think it's very nice <laughs> that's brilliant uh, i just find that uh, one of the rules uh, say the rules is the iaaf rule 230 i think it is uh so define the definition of race walking so race walking is a progression of steps so taken that the walker makes contact with the ground so that no visible to the human eye loss of contact occurs the advancing leg shall be straightened not, i.e., not bent at the knee from the moment of first contact with the ground until the vertical upright position. So there you go. Wow. Yeah, yeah. With, so I, I, yeah. I didn't. It's basically race walking is just you're know, walking fast.
1: So what I'm getting out of this is, in your defence, you were definitely not walking. <laughs> you were, you were not. Your leg was, I'm sure, wasn't straight.
0: No, well, it wasn't even I, I don't know what I was doing. God knows. Again I get flashbacks thinking about it. I want to park it, Tom. <laughs> I don't want to talk about the hard moor's eighty mile race ever again.
1: Right, okay. I can I can't guarantee you I'll let you will let you slide on that one that easily. I think it might <sighs> talk it every week for the next week while uh,
0: anyway. on another on a, on, a, on another note, do you remember drinking goose goose uh, island beer? I do indeed, yes. So I'm I'm drinking one just now. Yeah. And it's oh it's amazing. So I walked in I went into the our local supermarket yesterday, and I just fancied a beer, you know. Just uh, it's no, was it yesterday? A couple of days ago. So walked in, and what I didn't even know there was Goose Island beer in, you know, in the in the in the northeast of Scotland. And there I go in, walking in, and they're all reduced. All twenty cans of beers were reduced from two pound to one pound. So I got twenty older than Tom. Nice, winner. And I'm on. I'm on. I'm on, I'm on the first one. So there you go.
1: Good luck. That'll, that'll do you. That'll do you as an advent calendar.
0: Exactly. You 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 might get one for your Christmas if you're lucky. <laughs> Excellent.
1: Right. right so, so, what, so what else has been going on then? You.
0: Are, well, what about you? What What have you been up to?
1: Quiet. I'm running. I'm back. I am back training. There's no doubt about that. Um, last week I had a pretty. Pretty good week, 78, 78 miles like I ran, so not quite 81 miles, yes. and that was a full week. Um, yeah, I did a I session... T- i tell
0: you what, uh, my, average, my average for the four, four weeks on Strava has gone right up to 20 miles a week.
1: <laughs> <laughs> How many miles did you do the week of the race then? You must have hit the, the ton, surely.
0: I think so, yeah. Well, I didn't... I, I mean, I'm going to go back on Strava. I keep saying this, but I say I'm going to go back on Strava. I'm not off it. I'm just not uploading... I'm not using a watch. I'm just running free willy really uh willy no <laughs> i hope you're running free willy <laughs> that's not even a saying is it no. oh god anyway um what was i saying it's a great movie so, that's what it is yeah uh, it's a great movie yeah watching home alone 2 yesterday as well it was another fantastic movie um but anyway what were we talking about yeah so 78 miles for the week then Tom. yeah
1: 78 miles for the week so another yeah pretty solid week uh bit of a, a session on tuesday i did a what did i do two mile tempo then eight by eight minute eight by one minute hill reps and another two mile tempo to to close trying to get a bit of hills back in the legs and then on friday i did a shorter sharper session so six by two minutes on and then six by one minute so really trying to get those gears moving and then we were away actually over the weekend we were away with a group of our old mates from uni, which was nice, with a house in the Trossex for the weekend. So I did a, a lovely ten miler on Saturday morning out and back along the the banks of Lochatrin and then on the Sunday uh Fee and I did a long run together. We went out over to Loch Lomond in the back and then around another loch. So yeah, really nice nice bit of running over the weekend. Shake off some weekend excessive uh, excessive um eating and drinking. Uh, so it was uh, yeah.
0: I hear, yeah, I hear you were you were fairly partying hard and training hard as well. That's what it's all about.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, we we catch up with these, these mates at the first weekend of December every year, so that was it's a bit of a tradition, which was good. But you talk it was interesting. The house had a pool table in it, so we played a lot of pool. I got my ass handed to me. I'm I suck at pool.
0: But what was a proper sport.
1: Well, so the, the, base this walking. is this is where we had a debate in the with the lads. Is you know what is it? What is a proper sport? These boys kick my ass at pool but they can't run a mile in 10 minutes that's interesting
0: about, yeah interesting so i was um one of the guys who worked he, he was uh he, he works for budog and um, Stephen cursley he he uh we were around at his yesterday and he's him and nicole supplied the the beer for because for, they work at BrewDog, uh, for the beer mile for our wedding and uh <laughs> so so steve's he's, he does a bit of running but he doesn't you know he doesn't run like we run you know yeah, um, but he he ended up coming third in the beer mile, and he's not oh, okay. even a runner, so he's just like, well I'm a good drinker, but it's not about you know it's not it's not about the the, the running side of things, but he just he's able to neck a pint really really quickly, but he, he can't run as quick as we can, but he beat all the runners. I think the top three were non-runners; they were all they were all beer lovers. Okay. So, uh, I, what, what was my point here? I think my point was that. <laughs> my point? I to get, I'm a gonna, point to that.
1: I'm gonna get a bell, right? And every time you ramble off, I'm just gonna ring it as a, a ramble bell. i find uh, the ramble I, I, ring. Uh,
0: yes, go for it. That sounds great. Well, you can either take it out or just keep it in. Who knows? That, <laughs> that's that's it. it. That's the joy about podcast recording. You can just keep taking all the the ramblings of of Kyle Greg out. Or...
1: <laughs> well, we just leave them in for listeners' pleasure.
0: Wait, anyway, well, I mean, so it's, it's, you guys you... are out for hours. You know, I, I hope you're out training really hard. So, you know, that's why I ramble on for the benefit of you listeners to, to keep running.
1: Yeah, you're such a kind man. Back to the subject. So, I, my my point was, and I saw that snooker apparently is is making a move to get involved in the Olympics. Again, this is miss may annoy some listeners. I'm not for that at all. I'm not for, snooker is not an Olympic sport. It's not a sport, in my opinion. It's, uh, it's a it's a it's a game you might as well put monopoly well, not monopoly in there but something like chess it's a it's a it's a it's a tactical game it's not it's not a sport in, for me same with darts throw that in there
0: there's a there's an aspect of fitness in there and it's coordination still bah. and and that's what that's what darts and you don't get on chess really you don't get a technique there you just move a, a chess piece all right what about, tiddly, the dart, what about tiddly wings Tiddlywinks Rinks isn't a sport.
1: It's, it's, no, not a it's sport. Yeah, but it's, it's got as much technique as snooker.
0: But it's not. A, it's a game. It's a game. It's a board game.
1: It's a ge- Yeah, but I would say snooker and pool
0: are games. But it's not a board game. It? Well, actually, darts <laughs> is a board. <laughs> Do you remember the days in the eighties though when you, you watched all the professional foot, uh, snooker players and they were having a, having a cigarette and they're pint their beer right. on the side? All That's that's it, that's what we need to do that's it, of, um, that, maybe not cigarettes, but that's why the beer miles should be a sport that's what i was getting at
1: oh i see i see anyway so anyway that's we've, we've digressed again but that was my yeah that was my week good week bit of uh yeah a bit of everything really bit of speed work long run and some pool
0: Not a okay good sport. so i'm gonna go on to the next question for you tom now it's december this is we've never had a trs episode in december so um, he's in for a treat this 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 month. So what what's what's your take on celebrating in December and running and training? Do you do you let do you let your hair do you, do you let do you let your hair out or off or whatever the saying is, and uh and, and just party hard and and maybe ease off the, the gas a little bit or do you you maintain the training effort the training um and mm, drink I... you know, drink hard too. Well. So,
1: for, so for me, because I've got, I'm going to run a 10k at the end of the month. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep my running in. But what becomes difficult, I find, is it's planning of it. Because the number of times, and you see, I guess this is where the difficulty mark a is. This run of a, run a 5k every day, whatever it is. It's, you know, at work, I can have a busy day at work with, you know, there's lots of things like Christmas lunches and Christmas things kicking about for the next few while. So say I can't get out at lunch, and then I've got something on the evening socially, It suddenly becomes really difficult to fit in runs and yeah, I can get in a 5k But that's that's the gesture of just getting something I suppose But if you want to get 10-12 miles of of work with you know some session in there That's that's not gonna happen. So I I think if I'm not racing at the end of December Usually I just treat it as a get what I can focus on getting two good two or three good runs in a week and the rest is just filler But um, this month I'm making a bit more of an effort because I'm hoping to run at the end of the month um, and I'm someone. I'm a. Our family, we are. Uh, we're we're Christmas Day parkrunners, which I quite like as well. Ah, uh, you a good blast on Christmas Day.
0: The the reason I'm asking is that I know there's going to be a lot of people listening, and they're going to be like, "Well, yeah, yeah, I'll, you know, I want to. I've got this Christmas night out. I've got New Year coming up. There's going to be a lot of parties and a lot of drink. And not by all means, not everyone drinks who listens to the show. Now, I get that. Um, but. What what would your advice be? What what would your advice be if you're gonna go out you know out in the lash? Uh, and you know I, I'm not I'm not encouraging anyone to drink heavy, but people are gonna have a few too many. And you, you, what would your advice be in terms of training and in terms of maybe doing a run the following day? What what would you I would, give? I would
1: say I would say prioritize. So if you know you need to look you need to plan the week, and if you know Thursday night you're going out and you're not prepared to not have that as a big christmas lash then make sure you try and get a, your quality sessions in the rest of the week and don't rely on getting it on thursday or friday that would be uh, it's all about planning and that's you know I've, at the moment so this week we're podcasting tonight tomorrow i've got club training great wednesday night i'm off uh, to i've got yeah cinema with some of the lads thursday i've got a work thing friday i've got something then east district's on saturday saturday night out with a club and then Long run, I'll have to just get it done. So if it's an easy run, you're fine. But you just gotta plan the week. So I know now it's a few days and evenings I'm gonna get certain things in. But um, yeah, I would say prioritize. And also, if it's that, if you find you can't squeeze a run in because you're out boozing all the time, just drop one of the nights. I mean, I've, there's a Christmas night I've got next week. I'm not gonna, I'm not. I'm have a beer with dinner. So but I'm gonna try and ease off the gas a bit because I've got um, got TRS and friends, of course, coming up. So exactly and... top form for that.
0: Well, bang on, Tom. Really, really good. Um, Thanks for that. It's advice for for, you're given to me as well. I need as much advice as I can get. (laughs) Talking about TIS and friends, Tom. So we've set a date, and what we didn't actually realise is, and I don't know, I don't think we chatted about this. We've we've never had any more than four or five people at a birthday party in the last
2: (laughs) twenty years. Yeah.
0: So we're gonna combine that as a T.R.S. and Friends podcast and Tom and Kyle's birthday party. Yeah. And we're gonna get more than four people coming along. It's gonna be great. It's
1: gonna be fantastic. Yeah. So. Yeah. So uh,
0: yeah, the big three three. Big three three. So that'll be all uh, the threes. My big tongue can't say that it's ours properly, but I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna really struggle this year. How old are you, Kyle? Thirty three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: But we so and so and obviously with this celebration and the the TRS and friends, we've got uh, a few local runners coming along, many of whom you'll have heard about on the show. If you anything you want to allow us to discuss, throw it out there. We've got a few things we can talk about. Controversial subjects. We can have uh, we can have we can talk about highlights of the year. We can talk about certain performances. We can talk about you know loads of stuff. So feel free to. We've asked you last week. We've already had a couple, but throw in what you would love to hear about um, from a group of club runners in aberdeen
0: yeah definitely a prize for the best comment or the best um question i don't know what the prize is yet maybe a a reduced can of goose island ipa so just
1: to make sure that those people who because we the people who are attending there's what 12 of them they all listen to the show i think they all say they listen to the show so just to make sure that they're listening. To those who attend the TRS and Friends, and the listeners will be able to hear the result of this when it eventually releases. You need to bring, you need to wear a Christmas jumper. If you don't wear a Christmas jumper, we know you've not listened to this episode, and you'll be, you'll be rejected at the door.
0: <laughs> I better remember my Christmas jumper. <laughs> yeah. It'll just be you as a host. Yeah, not again. Uh, God, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm excited. It's going to be something, something different anyway for a yeah. birthday party. Might actually get a birthday cake.
1: Hi, exactly. So, very so, good. We've listened to quite a long intro we've had this week.
0: Uh, yeah, well, it's a bit of a quiet, quiet week, though, isn't it, Tom? It really. Is. I mean, yeah. you think about how many races and results there is. There's hardly anything. I mean, we're, we're actually getting to the point. We've actually included uh, a section on Parkrun.
1: Well, so uh, you know me, I'm not. I love Parkrun, but I really am, a, it's a floodgate of talking about parking. I'm really not super keen to do because it is there's too much to talk about. But what one thing we could talk about is this weekend is the district cross country champs.
0: So yeah, yeah. I well, don't know I,
1: if you've had a look at the, the start list, but they're looking quite tasty for for the various districts.
0: I did had I, I had a look. Just I I'm having a look as we speak. So, <laughs> so well, while you, while you uh, no, I did I did load up. I did load it up just now and uh, yeah, it's, it's looking pretty good. I mean, first, it's all in alphabetical order. The senior men's team, I'm looking at the senior men's uh, start list. So, Aberdeen have got a strong team.
1: They do. They do have a strong team. So, if, I, if I'm if i looking at this list for the East, so let's start with the East Districts, which is being held in Balgunny and Aberdeen. For me, Aberdeen are, are a definite medal contender. When you look at guys like i mean Will McKay, uh James Hode, Miles Edwards, Michael Ferguson as a first four then you only need two guys like Rory Stead and Stephen Murray to bring up the rear there. Uh i think that's a six which will which will we'll definitely feature. I mean Michael Ferguson we know he's in good form at the moment and James Hoad and Will McKay are, are are very strong also. So that's 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 a strong team.
0: Yeah, also central um Central are looking pretty tasty as well. Uh, nice nice word. Uh, we've got again our, our man Alice, Al Hay. You'll be bringing you'll be kinda bring it up there. Uh, Michael Wright, there's Lewis Miller, um, Jamie Crow as well. Uh, so he it looks like he might be back for the so race. Conan McCocky.
1: Yeah as well. well Jamie, Jamie Crow so if we talk about individuals as well. Jamie Crow won the East Districts last year in Livingston, I think. So we know he'll be firing here. He's obviously been in the NCAAs this year in the States. Uh, yeah, Scott Green as well.
0: There's Dale Colley. Dale Colley as well from Central. Oh, yeah. So that's a really strong team. Um, and then the next obvious contender, I mean, we're only at C. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kostorfin seemed seem to have a, a decent enough team as well. Uh, we've got Carl McKenzie, Mark Haskett. He uh, used to be a former Aberdeen runner. Um, but he loves down, down in the central belt now. Uh, Dougie Selman as well. Oh, and then we've we've also got a, a D-side runners team as well. Well, 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 We've got so three. That, it's not a we've team. got three of them. It's not, that's uh, six. You need six for a team, don't you? Yeah, it doesn't matter how good your first
1: counter is. Even if it is Mr Robbie Simpson. I tell you what, I don't care how long he's been out. He's someone who's definitely going to feature.
0: Who else have we got, Tom? So,
1: Dundee Hawks. Now, as a team, I'm not sure they're there, but Chris Jones on the start line. There's someone who, you know, we know Chris is in form. I, I, re, you know, I really think you. My money's on
0: Chris Jones for the win. I, I was going to say that as well, Tom. Uh, I don't know who else is going to be. I mean, I, I must say, I mean, when Robbie, Robbie's running well, he could be up there. But um, uh, he's had a little bit of an injury in the last few weeks, so I'm not sure he's going to be, uh, you know, firing in all cylinders. But a uh, Robbie not firing all cylinders is still going to be, you know, in the mix as well. Um, so, so yeah. So who else have we got? We've got HBT usually send a good strong team, and not, not last but not least, our our good old um, Metro Aberdeen team.
1: Well, yeah, I was going to say. So you know, I think okay, I'm heavily biased, but 70 names on the list. I think that's uh, I think it's a that's... team that we can look at. Uh, that can you know, if if we if the six counters have great runs there's a shot there's a really outside shot a medal there i mean cameron tracking, we know he's in exceptional form we've got uh we've got a gb international trail runner in yourself we've got um ben ward is is cooking on gas at the moment running 32:40 at 10k chris richardson's running well we've got new guys like um, jason kelly who's run a 72 half we've got tom doney who's run well So, I think uh, Hamish Battle, of course, we've not talked about Hamish, you know, so I think there's a, I think if we have six big runs, Cameron, you know, we know he's in shape at the moment. That's, I think that's a team that can really mix it.
0: So, what's your, um, uh, before I say that, we've also got the veterans team, I think they'll do pretty well in the team event as well. Yes,
1: I think think
0: you've got, we've
1: got got our, our man Sluggy on the start list for the vets.
0: Sluggy, yes, good good to see Sluggy on the start line.
1: Yeah, Jeremy Kimmel, Fantastic. hats off.
0: So, yeah, so what's the other, your the uh, top the... three senior men's then? What, who, are you, who are you going for? Who are you shooting so, for?
1: So one club you didn't mention was Edinburgh AC, who can put out a team sometimes. But I, for me, I think team-wise, I think it'll be Central, Aberdeen, Metro Aberdeen,
0: boom. <laughs> oh, jeez, have you seen the state of me? I'm not, I'm not even going to be in the counting team. Ah, rubbish. But it's not all about one person there's six. Exactly. I think that's a good thing about team, you know, cross country and district championships is the actual team event is six people. It's not about your fastest guy. You know, it's okay, there'll be an element of, of Cameron and our team, but you've got all six are gonna have to count. So if you have five guys who are well up there and your six places it you know, that sixth place could could certainly mean the difference between you know, a, a fifth and a, a sixth and a fifth or a fourth and a third or whatever, you know. So totally, um, and, and
1: that's I think you're right. This is this is a team event. That's the beauty of cross country. Now, you're right. Cameron is a guy who's going to be featuring at the front, but for the rest of us, say for me, if I'm if I'm fiftieth, fortieth, thirtieth, twentieth, whatever, the, it's only me. It means nothing. It's not. I'm never going to write home about oh I ran a PB. It doesn't. The time means nothing. The position is only relevant in the team contest. So it's all about team. It's it's a team competition, and we the beauty we've got is we've got a deep squad. So even beyond six, our seven, eight, nine, ten counters they're going to be pushing the sixth and fifth counters from other teams back. So yeah. that that is the beauty across country. Your top ten and fifteen guys can all really have a have an effect and have a you know bring something to the table. So I, that's why I'm excited because we've got we've got ten guys. I think of which six will count. Probably maybe eight of which ten or six will count and then beyond that you've got four to six guys who are strong enough to to run um to run and beat the back markers on some of the other teams so yeah very very exciting and then on the women's side in fact actually sorry before we go to women what about you what's your you what do you call one two three individual
0: one two three individual so I'm gonna to have to say Chris Jones because he's been flying in the whole the whole season. And this, I'm sure he's specifically, you know, training for cross country just now. He probably isn't. He's probably doing an Owen event next week, but, uh, so yeah, Chris Jones. And then my second contender is actually going to be Michael Ferguson. Nice. Now, I mean, he's, he's, he's done, he's got a bronze in the national championships. Uh, I think he was, was he not, did he not get a silver this year in the short course? So yeah, Michael Ferguson from Aberdeen and third. It's either between Robbie Simpson or Jacob Atkin or Jamie Crowe. One of those three. So that's my top five. Interesting. What about you?
1: I think probably the same five, to be honest. I think someone... uh, Who's Jacob Atkin running for? Edinburgh Uni?
0: Uh, Pass.
1: I think someone, I think someone like you might see someone like a Cal McKenzie or a, or a, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Cal McKenzie muscles up up there. I think Cameron Strachan's the man to look out for. Honestly, I, I, I think again, I haven't even five. mentioned Cameron. Exactly. I, I mean, Sorry, Cameron.
0: We know There's just too many good runners.
1: Absolutely, it's That's going a, to be fascinating. Stacked it's, it's, absolute, absolute it's stacked.
0: stacked yeah, um, but yeah, Cameron. Apologies.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah uh, you're
0: in my top five, all right? Okay. Even though i said six, but there you go.
1: Very, very interesting. On the women's side, just to just to move on. So for me, when you look at the list, the obvious the obvious uh, contenders are central. We've got Morag Miller lining up, who we know is in good shape. She's not backed up by su- such depth. Um, and then you, the next NRAC have got a strong team. We know, um, you know, there's names like Katie Bain in there, Chloe Cox. The next, the next one though, I think we've got to acknowledge them. We know that they had a great run at the the British Cross Challenge and they're going to Europe is 5 AC. I mean, you look at yeah. Megan um, Crawford in there. She, she had a very good run at the at Broxman a couple of weeks ago.
0: She did. Uh, yeah, I think it's quite a good, a good going along to the event. It's really, it's the biggest turnout. and I think it's the biggest club.
1: I think so. I think it might be of, bigger than ours. It's, big, it's bigger than ours, yeah.
0: Yeah, so that's really good. But then um, Metro
1: Aberdeen looks strong, though. I mean, you look at even right at the top of the list, former ladies captain Jeannie Barand. I mean, Jeannie is, if she's fit, I don't know if she's, uh, I hope she's injury free at the moment because she's had had some issues this year, but Jeannie will, you know, she's in in there. Uh, Claire Bruce is running well. We know this year we've got Kaylee Jarrett. So I think as a, is it three or four to count for the women?
0: I think it might be four.
1: I've been trying to find this on the, on this, the information and I can't find it anywhere.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I think it's always been four, but I could be wrong. I mean, it's six and six for guys, and three sounds a bit a bit sm- a small number. It's fifty percent less than the guys. I think that's a yeah. bit. In terms of you know the, the the numbers, I would say it would be a four and a six ratio. But yeah, I think if so. anyone knows the answer, please let us know and we'll correct ourselves. Well, we'll certainly correct ourselves next week because we'll know the results.
1: Yeah, but it's, it isn't on. I can't see on any of the, the race information. So anyway, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a very interesting one. So I think that's. Uh, I think from a team perspective, I think Metro Women, the Metro Aberdeen Ladies, will medal. I think Fife will probably win it. Five metro. Oh, what are we talking about? We, we've missed the obvious one.
2: Heron Hounds. Here
1: and Hounds. What are we talking about? Yeah. That's, a, that's a. But then there's only there's only five of them. No, but look so, at that team though. Steph Pennycook, Mary Mcclennan, and I don't know the other two name any other names in there. But those two but, are loners. I mean, that's a seriously strong start.
0: But again, if it's a, if it's a four if it's a four man a four woman team then. You need your other two counters to count. So true. Um I I don't know. I d I don't know if it's I, I I really would have assumed that there would have been a lot more university here in hounds running, but they might be running for their own club as well. Yeah. So it's difficult to know. Um but yeah, no, I I think my my five A C is I think are gonna go for the the first team, second team Metro and third team I'm gonna go for <sighs> I don't know. I'm gonna go for uh, Edinburgh Uni here in Hines. There you go. Very good. What about you, Tom? Who are you gonna go for? For the teams. Yeah. And individuals.
1: So individual, I'm gonna say, Mar McLennan, Steph Pennycook, Morag Miller. And on nice. the end of on the team side, Fife, Metro Aberdeen. Edinburgh in Hounds. I have to say, one, sadly, my own wife uh, is not running. Fiona's got uh, an issue, and with both her, um, both her coach and physio are suggesting that it's, it's too soon to be running off-road. So unfortunately, she's not going to run, but she'll be there supporting the, her teammates anyway.
0: she will be there and egg in spirit, egging the, egging the Metro ladies and men on to success.
1: Absolutely, right. Let's move north. North champs also coming up. It's easier because it's a smaller, smaller list. But if we start with the women on that one, one interesting name that jumps out, and I don't know if it's because she's entered just because they enter all their women, or because she's actually running, but Jenny Bannerman's on the start list.
0: Oh really? And oh, we know okay.
1: we know that Jenny doesn't like to run cross country, so that will be if she runs fascinating. I'm going. My guess is she won't be running, and we've seen some of the. Ladies from, say, Forest or Highland Hill Runners have good ones in the past. So, um, looking at the size of the teams, you would you would like to think that, yeah, a lot of the names are new to me, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, no, I can't I can't find the result, the results, the entry list. But uh, what about the men?
1: So the men is, I mean, the men is slightly stronger, but some of the, well, I say stronger, well known. I would say that's it's maybe me being a uh, it's my ignorance, not knowing a lot of the North North women on that on that list. But certainly we've got guys like um Highland Hill Runners, i uh, have got a good squad. Inverness, of course. I mean Donnie Macdonald, Graham B are the two that jump out. John Newsom is on the list as well, so you would think those three will probably be battling it out. Um J S. K. are on the list. So we've got Tom Roach, shout out oh, to yes, Tom, it is. running at the North District Champ. So that would be good. Cool. On you. And then Murray. Right
0: he'll be oh. competing for the, the top uh, vet owners I believe
1: yep oh and of course we've got, uh, we've got Kenny Wilson as well running for Moray so that she that becomes quite a that north race will be quite interesting
0: so That it is I, I mean I I remember having a good battle with them both and uh, it's always you know it's always pretty okay it's maybe not the depth you get in maybe some of the other district events but uh, but it's still got the still race. got the, a good race to for both so it should be should be good to see
1: Absolutely. So I think we're looking at, yes, yeah, so on the men's side, we're looking at, it's John Newsome and Kenny, you would have to say would be the, the two leading favourites there. And then on the on the women's side, you know, I really, I don't know. I mean, you've got, thing is, you've got like GSK, for example, we've got Tammy Wilson. Who, I mean, Tammy's had strong ones over cross country in the past. So, you know, that's uh, someone you might have to look at. So, yeah, certainly it's going to be very interesting. Gemma yeah. Cormack. Inverness as well. Gemma, and we know Gemma can run cross-country well.
0: Yeah, no, I, I don't know how well. She's running for Inverness now, I believe, isn't she? She is, yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. Well, good luck to everyone running. And yeah. there's also the West District Championships as well. Is that right?
1: Yeah, there is indeed, yeah. That's in Kilmarnock. Oh,
0: okay. And that one so, is,
1: that's stacked again. I mean, you think the East is stacked. The, the West District, the size of the teams on the start list is enormous. I mean, it's, you know, it's honestly... This is, well, I guess, if we had the time, we could have. But it's, I can't even begin to try and look at picking six from these different teams. But the name, the, the big names are all there. I mean, if you you know look at take some of the big clubs. I mean, for for example, uh, with you know we've got uh, we've got Craig Ruddy's down there, Mark Pollard's running, Andy Douglas is running. Um, yeah, there's uh, there, there's plenty on the Shettleston side. Uh, Tewaldi Manchester, on Oates Paul, sorry, the man who was late for the start of the short course,
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's got a chance to redeem himself <laughs> he now. Does, he does, yeah. <laughs>
1: um, so you know, I, I think you, you know we know that um, we know that what's his name? Uh, Lackland has had some good runs at cross country this season already. Um, I can't see uh, Adam Craig on the start list.
0: I uh, can't see
1: either. Which surprises me. Hmm. Maybe he's got something else on, but we know he's been running well this year. this year. I would have thought he would have lined up.
0: I would imagine so. So I'm just looking at the women's race as well. Um, so many, it's some big club, good turnout. You're right. Like there's a vast number of clubs in health, you know, healthy numbers per club as well uh, going along to the race. So Shettleston must be a clear favourite. I mean, they've got Finola Ross who's running um, in terms of the the team prize as well I think they'll be right up there too so Ruth Joss yeah. as well is decent um, who else have we got from the west Tom uh, I've got
1: well I mean at Kilbarkin you've got Elspeth as have, well, yeah. Elspeth Curran's had a good season um, you know there's other there's quite a few names in there I'm trying to see who's on the, the Bell Houston side and the canvas line I mean the list it's, it's an enormous list
0: it's huge it's really good so, yeah, yeah well, well, I think we're going to just stop it there because we could be chatting for hours about uh, previews. So, Absolutely. So, yeah. no, good luck to everyone doing the East, West and the North District Cross Country Championships. It looks like it's going to be super stacked. It does. And, um, and also, the, you know, there's uh, an element of for the top guys and girls running as well, then the district selections as well. I think it's uh, is it the top, I can't remember, what is it the top so, 10 or something?
1: I think it's top 10 and the next five are discretionary. So Yeah. So Kyle and I hope we say this every time. We hopefully will be wandering around after the race with a with a, a phone on record mode. So don't be at the East District Jams. Fast the faster lads, if you're there, uh, come and have a word with us. It would be it would be fantastic to get some of the quick lads' uh, their thoughts on the race straight afterwards. That'd be really good.
0: That would be great. If, if and yeah, feel free. Just I mean, don't do it during the race, mind you. But I won't be <laughs> I not be taking our dictaphones out then. So no. after after the race, I'm sure. Nice shot. So sure. yeah, so that yeah. that runs us up with the preview for this weekend. Fair. Um what else do we so we now have part two of the Robbie Simpson interview. So yeah, really good insight again into Robbie's life uh, and his races. So yeah, we'll we'll take it away uh, for the part two of the show.
1: at what stage did the Commonwealth's come onto your radar? Because I guess 2016-17 you, mu- must, you must have been aware that there was, there's was one coming up, you're running strong at, at the marathon, when did you think right, Gold Coast is something I'd like to target?
3: Um, I think it was, yeah, it would have been the beginning of the build up to the marathon in 2017 so the end of 2016, but then at the time I was thinking I, I don't know because you know you still got the likes of Callum and Derek and Tweedy, and I didn't know whether he could qualify for Scotland or not. But you know there were quite a lot of good guys, and also I didn't know how many the team would be sending for a start. So my plan was just to go in, you know, 2017 and run as fast as I could, try and get the qualifying time, and then I wasn't that worried. Like I kind of had in my head that I wouldn't be going to Gold Coast because it was one of those kind of too good to be true things, and you know seemed a bit. Yeah, one of those things where you think, ah, you know, surely they can't afford to send that many marathon runners, and it just seemed a bit unlikely. So I thought, well, I'm not going to sort of build my season around definitely going. I'll just run as well as I can, and you know, let the selectors do the thing. And then, um, obviously, I've trained pretty well up till the London 2017, and then, to be really honest, I'm quite disappointed with the marathon I had in 2017. I felt that. I really overtrained in the build-up and I was absolutely knackered, you know, in the weeks before. And I ran, I think it was 2.15.04, which was inside the qualifying time for the World Athletics Champs and Mm -hmm. the Gold Coast. You know, um, so I was really happy with that. And it was just a case of wait and see what happened. Um, But then obviously, you know, I actually got an injury um, just a few weeks after London and couldn't do the World Athletics Championships. And then I started thinking, hopefully I get Gold Coast at least, you know, that would be really Mm -hmm. nice to have that. Um, since I missed out in London.
1: That must have been, yeah, that must be heartbreaking to miss out on, on a, on a world championships in, yeah, in the UK.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was pretty annoying because, to be honest, I didn't know how long I'd be out for with this injury. I was, I thought it was just one of those things that would go away after two or three days, and you know, the physio team had said, oh, it's nothing too bad, and it was just so frustrating because I got this training camp organised, you know, in San Moritz and invested a lot of my money in it because obviously, you know, Samaritz is expensive, but it's my favorite place for training. And I thought, oh yeah, I'll go there and I'll be really fit. And in the end, like, you know, I got injured just before I went and I ended up cycling there because, you know, from Germany because I didn't have any other way of getting my bike there. And I could only just do some biking. I couldn't even do any running. And it was just a nightmare of like, not knowing when you're going to be back running again, but then Mm -hmm. having this big target that you kind of have to do or you know you want to do but it's coming around kind of quicker than you than you'd like um but then I just had to accept um it got to a certain date and you know things had gone well for like a one week or a 10 day period and I thought I'd be back at it and then it just went back to the beginning again I just thought nah forget it like I'm calling you know
2: mm-hmm. calling them up
3: and saying I'm not doing it anymore and you know it was, it was an easy decision to make to be honest okay. um but it was frustrating.
1: <laughs> I can imagine. And that tra- that trial race in London, that must have been quite a. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, you, you say you didn't run as well as you as you wanted to. Were you aware of the other Scots and Brits in the field, and were you treating it as as a, a race you're looking to time, or were you treating it like a race against other people for potential spots?
3: Um, yeah, exactly like that. So I want to be in the top in the top two basically, because that was guaranteed selection for the um, the world champs. Because um, I think Callum had already been selected, and there was maybe two other spaces. I can't remember exactly, but I just wanted to be in the top two, and then also to run under the two fifteen and thirty. So then I would kind of tick both boxes. I think that's maybe one of the reasons why I gave up very slightly. Like I, I was racing. I think it was going really well. You know, in one part of the race. Like to begin with, I felt quite terrible, and then it started picking up, and I ran well, and then I got into one of the qualifying places. I think Johnny was quite far out in front and a couple of the other guys had gone off way too hard and then dropped, like just lost loads of time. So I'd passed loads of people who were in front and then I knew I was in, like I was in the one of the qualifying times and me and Josh uh, Griffiths were running together and I knew I like, had it because it was only a few K to go to the end. And I think I just, like he was absolutely flying that day. And of course, you know, he, he was, um, it was his debut and everything. And then he got so much publicity after, but you know, it was, he wasn't in the elite start and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, he was just having one of those days where he was totally unstoppable and then I think I just couldn't stay with him, you know, in the last few K, So he, he went off and was first Brit and then I was just thinking that, ah, you know, I've done enough here, I'm in second and, you know, actually, it's maybe not a bad thing if I save myself a little bit because mm-hmm. the world champs is, you know, it's only a few months after so um, I'll have to build up again, you know, build up the training and that was the mistake I made was thinking I wasn't that tired and then, I hard yeah.
1: I remember on that day in London. I was I was on. The, I remember standing at mile 25 on Embankment. I was I was there because Fiona was running. I was stood with with your girlfriend Ginny and uh, and Kyle's wife Debbie. So we were watching Fee well you oh, okay. Fee and uh, and Kyle come through. And I remember you came, you came through and were and were able to give a, a smile and a wave. Uh, Kyle came through in bits. Um, he won't be he won't be <laughs> ashamed of me to say this. And uh, and fee came through uh, somewhere between the two. So you, yeah, that doesn't surprise me to hear that you say that you were that you were half resigned to it, but um, strong anyway. And and I guess then that then the question is: so you had the injury. At what stage did you did you find out that you were all set for the Gold Coast? And you know, how did how did that prep go?
3: Um, I found out quite late. Um, I would had a thought that you know. It was- in the off chance, because no one else had run the time, and obviously Callum, you know, Callum was more or less selected, and um, but no one else had the time, so I was thinking, oh, you know, maybe I'll get picked. But then, because I had the injury, and I ran like the, yeah, I ran the Great Aberdeen um, Half Marathon, and and you know that was my kind mm-hmm. of first road race back, but it was quite a tough course, and you know, to be honest, I didn't push it too hard, so I ran like a 68 something, but it's the slowest half I ran for ages. So I think the selectors had like, seen that and thought, oh, he must be like really out of shape. <laughs> so I had to then run a, um, like to prove fitness and run another half marathon. So I had to kind of cram one in um, October. And obviously I, I did the Jungfrau marathon in September and then suddenly I had to recover and then try and pull out a fast half marathon. So I went down to Manchester and managed to run like a 65-something off of a three-week build-up <laughs> or something. Um, so that was really good. But then I had to wait... I can't remember when it was, maybe late November or something, that I, that I found out, you know, for certain that I was picked. And um, I planned anyway to train for a marathon in April, you know, either London or, uh, if I got picked, you know, Gold Coast. So the training wouldn't have changed. But um, it was just good to get the, to hear it and get it confirmed because, like, I began to, like, I was training as well as I could, but I started getting little aches and pains, you know, in places. That it wasn't going all that well, to be honest. I was running terribly because it was... Uh, I think it was announced just after the East Champs in Livingston, and I ran there and just felt so drained, so tired. And then I remember going to this like uh, you know opening you know ceremony where they called you know sort of uh, announced the team, and I was just like embarrassed. It's like you know I had a crap run across cross country, but you know <laughs> hopefully I'll be okay in a few months. Uh, <laughs> you know, so I found out yeah about then um, sort of late November, early December, and then that's really when the main. The main sort of build-up started, you know, from the,
2: mm-hmm.
3: you know, from the start of the year basically. I was training obviously the whole time, but it was going terribly until <laughs> until the first of January 2018. And that's when it changed. Or oh, the second of January, sorry, Lomfann 10K. That's when things started changing.
1: Nice. And how and the build-ups? How did that work? I guess you must have gone out. I mean, you had a really good build-up. You had a, a really strong run-up and in, and in Inverness. I um, remember up up there in in March. That was a PB 64-27,
3: is that right? Yeah, it was, and like I did not expect that at all in Inverness, um, it was a really mixed build-up, like, to, to be honest, the training had gone so well, Like I'd planned it out to be not quite as brutal as what I'd done the previous year, but then a few more sort of speedier sessions mixed in, and I was away in Spain for a good block um, with a guy I know quite well, and then I trained well coming back, and like the sessions were just coming together so nicely, the long runs were working really well. And, everything had gone so perfectly but then the only race i'd done really was this half marathon i did in spain when i was training there and it was a similar story to the london marathon the first time like on the train on the way up to the race i think i ate something dodgy and i was i spent the whole night being up you know in the toilet and I, in the morning when the race came i was just i felt so bad that um my logic decided to tell me to just use the, the run the race as a long run so i went out and ran you know, like a 45 minute warm up and then went straight into the half marathon after having been, you know, ill all night and ran like another 68. So I, it was like disappointing, but, you know, I knew I, I was just kind of ill. So then, like, inverness, I was thinking, you know, if I run another 68 here, I'm going to, like, retire. So I have to pull out some sort of decent run at some point. Um, but I knew, like, the, tra- the training was coming together well. And then, um, you know, when Chris Jones was going to be there, like, I knew it was going to be a, a really good race because, I think Andy Douglas was meant to be there, but he got sick or something, and then, uh, so, you know, luckily, Chris was there, we had a really good battle, like, uh, all the way around, and um, it's just exactly what I needed, like, I mean, you know the course, there's a couple of little climbs in the first half, Yeah. Um, But then, once you get over them, it's really fast, and I, I just felt so good in that second half, you know, coming back up to the stadium, like, I was running along, just thinking, you know, this feels so easy, and that was just a few days before flying to Australia, so, it was coming together like really nicely, but the only worry I'd had was obviously the, the temperature difference. Um, but you know, I thought oh, it's only going to be like 20 degrees in Australia; it's not going to be too bad. Um, but obviously, the beast from the east and all the cold winter <laughs> yes. weather and then I was used to operating at about five degrees. So uh, yeah, it was a, another story arriving in Australia, and it was absolutely roasting hot.
1: And what was the, So we went out. How, how far in advance was that? You spent a couple of weeks out in Australia beforehand.
3: Um, I think it was four and a half weeks, um, oh, wow. more or less, before the marathon. It's quite a long time, but I think I needed you know, I needed it. So.
1: And you went out with an in for us mere mortals. You're out there, you're training as part of the Scottish Athletics team. Is it a camp you're out there with?
3: Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's hard to describe. We had, the, the group was split up, so most of the athletes across all sports were at this um, other sort of camp, you know, in um maybe half an hour from where we were but because we were all endurance athletes we kind of needed access to the track and you know trails and roads and things so we were staying in a different place entirely and it was there weren't that many of us it was all just the endurance guys you know 1500 and up um so many of there were maybe 10 or something staying in apartments and just yeah it was really relaxed i mean there was obviously like the management and coaches and stuff and they would sort of arrange you know if we needed um like taken to the track or you know, physio is there as well and, but apart from that it was just yeah like a, just stay with a load of nice guys and run every day and yeah
1: good like food, sounds like a dream go to the shops
3: yes.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and in terms of that so that final prep you know that it's going to be hot how, how did you I mean apart from the obvious of training um, you know training there for a few weeks in the heat were you doing anything else specifically to to deal with that and you know I know Scotch like had you all with your You're uh, the now famous white cap. Although I know you, I understand you ran in a white cap before that. But the white cap, the ice, was this all was something you were you were getting ready for, and what else were you doing to deal with the heat?
3: Yeah, so that um, that was that white cap was um, an idea I'd had you know previously because I collapsed in a race um, I think it was two years before in Sierra Nevada, and it was really really hot, you know, and sunny. Um, So I'd been practicing running in this white cap in, in the years after that. And thought, oh, yeah, okay, it definitely works. So when I went out to Australia, I packed my white cap, and then Callum <laughs> saw me running with it, and uh, I let him try it. And then he thought, oh, it's really good, you know, we need to get some of these. So And we ordered 16 of them or something like that. Oh, nice. <laughs> so we could have one every 5K, and we decided that we'd try and fit in, like, ice packs and all this into the hats, and then it would be really, really useful. But as it turned out, it was too complicated to get the ice packs in the hats in the time we had. But we, um, but we could soak them in, like, a ice bucket and stuff and, you know, put on these cold caps every 5K. But I didn't practice any of that, to be honest. Um, I mean, I had no idea what to expect when I went out there, and it just caught me by surprise. Like, you know, it's easy to read the thermometer and say, oh, it's 25 or it's 30 or whatever, but the humidity was just crippling. Like, trying to go out and run there, like, you know, the first few days, I wanted to do a long run, and I penciled in, like, 20 miles, you know, on the Sunday and in the end, I think I did 12. And it's the only time I've had to shorten the run. Like, there was no chance I could have done 20. And the 12 miles was basically doing three miles and getting a drink. Then another three and oh, getting wow. a drink. And just constantly, you know. Um, so it was a nightmare. And like the sessions I was doing, you know, I tried to accommodate for the heat and slow down. But to give you an idea, I wanted to do like 8 by a K. And I'd done a similar session, you know, a steady recovery or like a sort of wave session. And I'd done them before. Running like say 303 or something like that, you know, three minutes. And there I thought, okay, I'll try and run them at 310. I ran the first two at 310, and then I was running 325s by the end. And it was just, you know, that was me at max effort. Oh, and
2: gosh.
3: just struggled. But the support we got was good. So we had a physiologist there, and, you know, he would like, so he did like, you know, weigh me before and after the runs and stuff like that. And um, that made me realize how much, like, I was actually losing in the sweat. So, you know, I would come back from the run like four kilos lighter. So um, Four kilos? You know, was, blimey. Yeah, four kilos, yeah, and that was with drinking. So, um, you know, I knew I wasn't drinking enough then. So I had to basically adapt it. So I got, um, so you know, Mike Johnson there. Uh, he was out there with a bike and uh, he came with me on quite a lot of the runs. So he would carry my bottles. And uh, <laughs> it was really important, obviously, to get the, get the fluids in. Just not so much for you know, stopping me collapse in the training, but to get my body used to taking on that amount of water on runs. So um, it was brilliant having him, you know, he'd cycle alongside me and then I'd, you know, drink every sort of 15 minutes. Um, so that side of it was great. And then the heat was, like I said, terrible. But then after two weeks, it was like, okay, it was still hot, but I could then run close to what I could at home, you know, without much discomfort. So then I knew I'd kind of got myself in, in good condition. Um, for the
1: race. And so let's so you you're going to the race, you're let's say you're you know that you're a, a two fourteen guy. How do you how do you go into a race like that in terms of uh, tactics, in terms of what pace you're gonna shoot for, allowing for the heat, allowing for the race? I mean how what how did you you plan your um, your race? Um,
3: well it went well, but I would not say the planning was necessarily the reason for that. Um, it was you know, I could just pick a number, basically, out of the sky and say, this is what I can probably run. And it's kind of what I did. Um, so I knew it was going to be really hot. Like, So typically it had been, like, 30 in the day. But for some reason on this particular day, it was meant to hit a max of, like, 36 or something, oh. 35. But it, it didn't get that hot in the race because, obviously, we started quite early in the morning. But, you know, it was still 30 most of the race. So I knew that was going to be... You know, it was going to be really uncomfortable to run in, and there's no way that I could run the sort of pace that I'd want to run. Um, you know, I reckoned that I could probably run a 2:14 in you know in cool conditions or whatever, based on the time I'd ran for the half and how training was going. But then you, know, you just had to say goodbye to that time and just accept that you're going to be slow. Like, it's going to happen. You can't run as fast when it's that hot. So I I just reckoned it. I'd run it by feel and not really worry about the pace. Um, but in the region of about a 220 or just under might be enough to be, you know, kind of in contention for a top, maybe a top eight sort of place. Um, So I didn't really plan to run it at that speed, but because also the the race tactics were a bit weird as well. So we started off and the pace was really slow. And um, for the first few K, everyone was together and it was really slow. And I was thinking, well, this is, you know, I don't know if I like this because it means it's going to pick up in the second half and whatever. Then after, I don't know, 15 minutes, Callum decided to push things on a bit and then that really opened it up and it was suddenly, it was like, you know, I was running this group of like loads of guys, then suddenly there was nobody there. Everyone was already halfway up the road and uh, I had to make a, a decision right there, you know, about 4 in. Like, do I just run on my own? Do I try and hang on to that group or do I drop off and run with the group behind me? And I just thought like, nah, I mean, the group behind, they're running cautiously, but they're not putting themselves in contention to really have a go at this race. The group in front is just stupid, you know, trying to run that quick for me. So I'm just going to run exactly as fast as I want to and just run on my own. And that's what I did. I ran on my own most of the way. And it was awesome. It was the best decision to make because I could keep this rhythm, like, perfectly and, um, you know, and just concentrate on getting my drinks, concentrate on my stride. Like, people would I'd either catch them, I'd basically catch them, and they would run alongside me and accelerate and they'd ease off and you catch them, and they'd accelerate. So <laughs> you're like, okay, you can do that if you want, but you know, I'm not changing my rhythm whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And then sooner or later, they would just drop off the back and I wouldn't see them again. And that's kind of how it went um, for the first, well, I don't know, the first sort of 15 miles, I guess. I didn't see that many people. And then it just suddenly, you know, everyone started coming back in like the last, uh, probably from about 30, I don't know, 32K, 20 miles onwards, um, but yeah I didn't expect as many to come back as uh, as obviously did
1: And did you know where yeah. you were? Did you know, were you, I mean say let's say 30k people started coming back towards you were you aware where you were in the field in terms of position and, and were you counting how many were coming back?
3: Um, I wasn't exactly, not not at that point um, I think I knew when I was in the top 10 I thought okay that's great I'm in the top 10 because that was kind of my goal you know, going into it um, I thought like eighth place I'd have been really happy with. So when I got in the top ten, like I thought, okay, brilliant, that's that ticked off. But it was because there were people watching, you know, um, all along the course, and because Callum was leading, they took an interest, you know, me also running in the Scotland Fest, and they kept like, you know, whatever you're in this place. And so it was quite useful to know that. But you know, again, like there were still quite big gaps between the people, and it was only really the last, oh, I don't know, three miles where things started to change. And I thought, oh, wait a minute, like I've continued to pass more people since I was in eighth place. So therefore, there are not so many people between me and, and a medal. And then there was this long straight section and I could see, I think I could see three people in front of me. And then um, there was an Australian guy just in front and then there was a guy cheering him on. He said, oh, come on, if you can overtake these next two guys then you've got a medal. And I was thinking like, this Australian guy, he was miles in front of me a few minutes ago, and now I've pretty much caught him. So there's zero chance that he's gonna, you know, I could, I could do better than he can do because, you know, I've, I've already caught him up. So if I can overtake these people, then, you know, then I can get a medal. And um, so then I, I started to believe that it was, it was possible then. But then I was running out of road, you know, <laughs> getting towards the end of the race. And then I'd heard that the leader had collapsed, and I was thinking, oh, you know. Of course, at that time, I wasn't sure if it was Callum leading on his own or whether there was somebody else with him or whatever. So all I knew was there was one person in front of me now who wasn't going to make it to the end. So then, you know, if I just got these places, I might get a medal. And then there was this, like, I overtook the first two guys quite quickly, actually. And then I was getting towards the, it must have been 39 to 40K, and you went over this bridge. So it was a bit of a climb, actually. And um, I could see this guy in front of me. So I was thinking, right. Once I pass him, and I pass whoever it is the stopped, then I'm going to be in third. So I just have to pass this guy without him sticking on the back of me and beating me in a sprint finish. So I really pushed up this hill, and then going down the hill, I just you know, launched myself off it, expecting this guy to stick on the back of me and have this battle over the final two k. And then at that exact point that I got into the position, you know, I, I saw Callum line there, and I was like, oh, you know, God, like he looks, you know, he looks in a pretty bad way, but I can see there's someone with him hopefully he's going to be okay and the fact that i'm now the only scottish guy in the race means that i've i've got to try and have a good run here you know
2: right.
3: you know we've put a lot into this you know as part of a team and you know we thought we were going to bring home a, a medal so now it's kind of up to me to try and to try and bring that home so i just hammered it from there to the end and i kind of looked over my shoulder and the guy that i expected to be right behind me had just been up. he was just running along you know well back so it kind of gave me another boost um but to be honest, that final like mile was the longest ever. You just <laughs> I knew there was a like just a right turn, and then it was the last sort of, hundred meters. And I was looking for this right turn, looking for this right turn, and it just never came. <laughs> it's <was> just <laughs> agony, you know. And then finally, it came.
1: Oh, that must I have been. I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm fantastic. I know your your parents and Jenny. I mean, that must have been uh, absolutely incredible to on such a difficult day and so much going on, so much drama. seen calmly on that must have just been an incredible experience to cross that line and, and better sweet I guess knowing with the knowledge that Callum's had a, had, a, had had his issues
3: Yeah I mean it w- was just incredible like all the different emotions and everything uh, you know my job was basically to get from the start to the finish in one piece and I was so happy that I did that but you know along the way there was yeah so much there um, kind of to take in and yeah I just remember getting there and just thinking I'm so relieved that I've got to the end and then I hadn't really, you know, I thought, okay, Callum seemed in a bad way, but I'm not sure how it is, and then I remember seeing, like, a replay of, of him falling and talking to the staff, and the staff were like, well, I don't know if he's going to be okay, you know, that's the reality, he's been taken to hospital now, but, like, we can't say one way or the other where he's going to be okay, and then I was thinking, Well, you know, forget how I've done in the race, that's not really that important yeah. now, like, um, and then, you know, we did get a lot of updates um, from the doctor and everything, and then you know, sooner, fairly soon it was confirmed that he was going to be all right and, you know, everything was under control. So then I could sort of relax a bit more and enjoy it. And um, unfortunately I had to borrow his tracksuit, you know, for the medal ceremony. Oh, no. um, I'd left, you know, I didn't. you're supposed to take your tracksuit in case you got a medal. And I was thinking, I was packing, you know, the night before and I thought, well, that's not going to happen. So there's no point in taking it. And then, of course, you know, they asked me for my tracksuit. Well, I don't have it. And they, you know, just saw Callum's bagline there
2: and <laughs> had to
1: borrow it. So <laughs> feel a bit bad for that. But, um, but, yeah. Oh, uh, so, uh, unbelievable. So I mean, how? And you've obviously you you were known throughout the athletics world, particularly in Scotland, prior to that. You know, you know as, a, as a world-class mountain runner. That you're obviously that's spread now in terms of your much your household name now. You're a real ambassador for athletics in Scotland as a result of the Commonwealth. It's being such a high-profile thing. How, has anything changed for you as a result of that medal, day to day or as a um, runner?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I would say like since then, it's I mean, people have been more keen to just yeah talk to me about things and and also you know been invited to talk at events and, and that and also to, yeah just meet other runners and so it has been really nice to have these opportunities um, and there was also quite a lot of potential you know publicity things I could have done um, afterwards. And I think I got a letter saying I could, like, meet Nicola Sturgeon and stuff, but I didn't do any of that. <laughs> um, but, you know, there you are know, a few things like that, too. I mean, it was really nice to be part of that event. And I've also been invited to, you know, some, like, sporting events, like the Scottish Sports Awards and things. So it's nice to kind of to be around all these, uh, you know, top athletes and, and things. and I really enjoy that side of it. But, um, you know, for me, it hasn't changed much in terms of, you know, it's all just about pinning on a number and racing and then and out in the cold and dark and running. Uh-huh. And that's what I enjoy. So all this other stuff, yeah, it's great, but as long as I can still do, you know, the things I enjoy, which I can, then you know, it's great. And you have to accept that, like, you know, these sorts of things, like, you know, the sort of attention you get and, and all this, it comes and goes, you know. Qu- as quick as it comes, it disappears again. So you can't
2: mm-hmm.
3: you know, worry about it too much or get too used to it. You just take the opportunities and then, you know, and accept that that's it. <laughs> Your time's up. You'll we'll be forgotten about. You know, sooner or later.
1: So until until the next success. I mean, one yeah. one thing one thing I think a lot of in- listeners will be interested to hear from you is you know talking through you know the you know, the last ten years a very impressive impressive ten years and one thing that strikes it really sticks out and you've alluded to yourself is is the balance between mountain running and road running two disciplines that you you know particularly the longer events you're so strong at. How do you balance those two disciplines in your training and, and, your say, your planning of the year?
3: Yeah, it's quite a tricky one, actually. Um, and I've done it in different ways over the years, where, you know, with mixed results. So the first two London marathons I was doing, um, I just divided the year into, you know, 50-50. So once I'd finished the mountain running season, I didn't run any mountains again until the following and spring and just ran, you know, more or less on the flat. I still ran a lot off-road. But um I wasn't doing any hills at all, just, you know, flat trails, flat roads, these sorts of sessions. Then as soon as I got to the spring again, I just transferred back to the mountains and then more or less do a lot of mountain running and then very few flat speed sessions, maybe one or two, you know, in the build up to a couple of the races. But yeah, so so that was what I did for those years. But then more recently, you know, um, especially this year, I just thought I'd mix it up a bit more throughout the whole year. So over the winter, I was still doing quite a lot of hilly sort of long runs, not mountainous, but you know, with some fair climbs and um, and things like that, and a lot of off-road running. And then also, when I started the mountain running season, I was adding in like you know, one road session each week. And I think that really helped. Um, I just felt a lot fresher, actually, and able to to train hard. And for some reason, the combination of doing the hill reps and the flat running just, yeah, really worked for me. I mean, having said that, I have had a really bad injury, you know, uh, quite recently. So I think another side of it might have been that I actually did too much because I was recovering well and thinking, oh, I can just maintain this indefinitely, where actually I needed to just um, to accept that I was I had been training really hard. You know, even though I was mixing up the different types of sessions, I still needed to recover. You know, at the end of the season and have a couple of weeks off. So um, mm. so yeah, you know, I probably didn't do that. So hopefully that's something I'll think of next you know in, in the future but definitely yeah the mixture of of everything i just think really works you know and and it's fun apart from anything else like nobody wants to spend all their time just running on the roads well not if you've come from the hill running back <laughs> yeah. like no if you're you want to get back out in the hills.
1: yeah absolutely no, i think that's, a, that's some great advice there is you know it's the 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 recovery aspect but certainly also just to to enjoy it and if you don't enjoy it what what is the point of it all um exactly yeah so in terms of the year how Planning your year, how, you're someone who does. I know you do some warm weather training, you train at altitude occasionally. How do you break your year up and how do you plan that?
3: Um, I mean, there's certain things that can move around in the year, so you can either choose you know autumn or spring marathon. And for I mean, the road running goals, like the marathon, would be the main thing. And if I want to do a 10k half marathon, I can kind of fit that in anywhere. But the mountain races are kind of set in stone. The dates, you know. Years and Owl, Young Front the Marathon, these things are always on the same weekend. So then I have to work around those and then fit a, a road marathon in around that, You know, generally in the spring, because that works. You know, That's long enough before the summer that I can get back to mountain running again. But it gives me enough time after the mountain running season to kind of build up the training. Um, but it's just it's quite difficult to fit it all in, you know, if I'm being honest. I basically have to do the marathon and then write off May completely. And then kind of use that to get back into training again, as I guess you probably would, you know, mm-hmm. if you were targeting 10Ks as well. But then kind of get back on the mountains again in June, July sort of thing. But um, I think the mistake I made this year as well was having a long season, you know, starting racing in June and then racing until September on the mountains. Whereas I think if you wanted to do marathons and you wanting to do, you know, maybe a few cross countries and mountains, you have to keep the summer season a little bit shorter, like, maybe I should have just raced July, August, and then stopped, you know, um, and then kind of had a bit of a break in September and then started building up again, mm-hmm. um, you know, for for the sort of autumn time. Because I'd always love to run an autumn marathon, but it's just, it's so hard to work that in with the mountain running in the summer. Because if I do something like Jungfrau Marathon mid-September, there's no way that you can be racing a road marathon like a few weeks later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, not unless you, you've sort of built the whole season around that. So it's quite tricky fitting everything in. Um, I should really just accept that I've done certain races, you know, enough times already, and just sort of cut them out completely. And but it, it's hard to do that, you know. You always want to add, add new things on. So it comes yeah. back
1: it comes back to the enjoyment piece as well. I know, you know if those are races that you're you're enjoying and you're competing at, and um, you know, I think it's quite right that you go out and run them.
3: Yeah, I think so. And I think as long as you accept that you're not going to run well in every race, and and that's something really important. Like I don't peak, you know, I don't try and peak for more than probably two races a year, like maybe three, I'll want to run well at, but there'll be something in the spring I'll peak for. And then in the summer, I'll probably have one, you know, one target race or maybe two races. I'm kind of half, half targeting quite seriously, but there's no way I could just go from race to race trying to run well. Um, It just doesn't work like that. I mean, you can do it, but you're never going to progress. You're only going to run, you'll run well. And then you're going to have to like start training again just to get to the point you were, you know, when you started racing, whereas, for example, the start of this summer, I was running like you know over 100 miles a week and racing at the weekends, and I was just running them tired. But it, it was good training, and I was still racing quite well. And then, and then the, when I got to like you know Young um, for marathon, I could taper properly and then have a really good result, you know, and kind of have a you know a top run. Whereas if I just you know been only running 70 miles a week and you know racing, then by the time I got to September, I kind of lost the form. I think so, so yeah.
1: Talk us through a, a typical week then. So say you're deep in, uh, you're deep in your mountain running training block. How how would a, a, a standard seven day week look for you?
3: Um, yeah, it could be quite quite a frightening thing depending on what point. You know, some of the weeks I look back on what I did in the summer. I think, oh, what was I playing at? You know, I did way too much. So um, I probably do, you know, I do two two to three tough days. I'd take two hard sessions and then a long run with some tough running in it as well. So i probably do, like, you know, Monday, fairly easy run. i do two runs, say, 10 miles in the morning and then four at night, something like that. Um, I'd probably stick to flat, you know, undulating sort of trails on that day. But, um, yeah, not flat, but, say, a 1,000 foot over 10 miles, something like that, and sort of undulating. Then the Tuesday I would probably target a fairly, I don't know, say a road session. So, I'd, for example, in the summer I did a couple of weeks in a row of doing the same sort of structure and it would be like maybe eight by one K in one of the days or four by two K or five by one mile, something like that. Or it would of a five mile tempo run, that would be my Tuesday session. Um, some of the times I was, I was staying at you know, sort of high altitude and there was a flat road, um, a three, 3000 foot below me, you know, in the Valley. So I would run down there, do the session and then finish running back up again. So you had this like tough climb. It was, yeah, a thousand meters um, climb from, from the valley back up to where I was staying. So you've done like, you know, eight by a K and then you're running back oh. up. So that was a really good session. Um, and then the Wednesday, I'd probably just do an easy run, you know, hilly run. Thursday, I'd probably do another fairly easy run, but maybe with a longer climb, you know, something like another thousand meter climb, but just fairly, you know, sort of steady effort. And then um, say Friday, I would do the another session, you know, for example, it might be a hill session or it might have done the Tuesday session and, you know. instead but um, a hill session I would do just continuous uphill reps Like I'd choose a hill that basically goes on for about 40 minutes or 50 minutes and then Blame choose me. what sort of distance of reps I would do generally like 3 minutes or 5 minute reps and then just run like you know hard reps uphill and then keep going until I get to the top and then sort of run down easy and then probably another easy day Saturday or a steady sort of flat run and then um, Sunday another long run with a mixture of you know flat trails, hills, a bit of everything. So you know in the week I might cover 100 miles, but there's quite a lot of elevation as well.
1: Um, eye, water, that's eye watering. Eye watering. There's a there's a, obviously a safety warning needs to go out to listeners. Do not try to homelessness if you unless you're a elite mountain runner. It's, yeah, that's uh, that's incredible. Um,
3: yeah, it's not advisable. Like I don't think I would need to train that hard all the time, but I think it. If I do a couple of weeks of training like that, you know, I really get in, in good shape. Um, but you know, I run my easy runs are really easy, and I don't really worry about how fast I'm going. And and the thing with the mountain training is, you know, if I was to go and run say 10 miles on the road, you know, in 50 minutes, my legs would be absolutely battered the next day, and I'd be sore. You know, I, I'd have to take a couple of easy days. Whereas if I run 60 minutes uphill as hard as I can, like you know, finishing in pieces, lying on the ground, you know, sweating blood. Then the next day my legs will be fine because there's not the same impact at all, you know, running uphill. So it, it is quite a nice way to have that variation in the week. So you you know, it's a hard set, a hard training week, but it's at the same time, it's kind of different to you know a sort of marathon training block. So. And do
1: yeah. you think do you think that off road uh, off road and hill strength is something that is part of the reason that you've proven to be so strong on the marathon on the road?
3: Um, I think it, it's definitely a. Uh, it, you know, um, giving me some strength and, and endurance and things. It's just, you know, everything comes at a cost, like, so my weakness is obviously not having the background and sort of track running that a lot of other guys have, but so if I was running like 13 30 or whatever, 14 minutes for 5k, then I would have a lot of speed, whereas I don't have that at all because I've chosen to do hill running, so I do have strength from that, but also I've, I've got weaknesses too, so, you know, you, you have to, you know, use your strength to your advantage, obviously, but you know, you can never be a kind of all-in-one machine. You know, I can I just have to make the most of what I do have, and um, I think the hills have helped me. But I have to accept that I'm never going to be a 5K runner, you know, or a 10K runner. so.
1: I think that's probably quite easy to accept when what you do have is is some serious talent over over the longer stuff. So in terms of in terms of career, then I'm going to um, put you on the spot here. What is your career highlight?
3: Um, I would say definitely uh, Gold Coast. Right. Like. You know, it was, yeah, thinking back on everything and, and how it played out and, you know, it, the mountain running stuff, obviously, like, I'm really happy with how it's gone, but, like, it's difficult to value that in terms of, you know, other people find it hard to kind of understand how useful it is, you know, or winning young out and like, what, you know, what good is that or, well, mountain running champs, but for me, you know, the Commonwealth Games was, like, yeah, it was really nice to come home with a, a medal from something that you weren't even expecting to make the team for let alone have a chance of, of finishing in the top three so yeah definitely
1: that that's amazing and I mean what what it was great okay it was it was really sad to see calm we're glad it was okay but I think for the for the for Scottish athletics fans it was it was fantastic fantastic coverage and and it's been it was, it was really really great to see I'm sure you've inspired a lot of a lot of kids with that one. Um, so we so what's next then? We know you've had we know you've had a bit of an injury, and unfortunately, Valencia is not going to happen for you this year. What's what's next for what's next for Robbie Simpson? What does the next the coming years hold for you?
3: Um, I'm not sure to be honest, because I don't know if I can manage to rival what I've done this year. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it'll get any better than it's already got. So now, like at, at the moment, I'm just trying to get back to to decent training again because things were going really well, like in the you know, the summer and the autumn and all year and then I just picked up this injury so, you know, obviously I had to have a couple of weeks out and, you know, doing cycling and cross training and now I'm getting back into running quite well again so I don't really know, you know, what's, what stage I'll be at when I get back racing so I don't want to put too much pressure on myself. Like, I'd like to run a spring marathon because um, I've got miles in the legs from the line. It's just, I don't want to put myself in another uh, situation being injured again so mm-hmm. um, I'll just uh, yeah keep building up for now I've got a yeah I'm thinking of doing the the East Champs cross country uh, in a couple of weeks time yes for, you know, just to get back out and see I mean like I said I'm, I'm pretty hit or miss at cross country and you know it's not my strongest event at all, and at this stage, after the injury, it will be a real, a real shock to the system. So I thought it's better to start off in the worst possible place, <laughs> in your worst event, in you know, I think your worst shape, and then they can only get better there. So that'll, uh, I'm hoping to do that, and then I'll start hopefully getting back to some road races again, and um, maybe early next um, year or at the end of this year, and then go away training, you know, in, in the winter and try and and get back to where I was. <laughs>
1: And is that the plan? Um, continue to balance road marathons and and mountain running moving forward. Have you got an eye on any particular championships coming up? Hello. 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 So I think you went there. Sorry. Hi. So I was saying, have you got? Um, and yeah, is the plan now to just continue to balance balance mountain running and and road marathons through the year, or, or are there any particular championships you've got? On your eye on?
3: Um, yeah, so this year I'm thinking of changing things slightly to what I did. Oh, uh, well, sorry, next year I'm thinking of changing, changing to what I done this year because I did a lot this year. You know, I did like Zermatt Marathon, Cairns and Al, Youngfrau Marathon, you know, and obviously Gold Coast Marathon. So it was quite a lot of long races. So I think um, I'm going to try and target a spring marathon, you know, in April, try and get a decent run out there, and then do a slightly less intensive summer season. So I'd like to go for like the European Mountain Running Championships, I think because it's uphill only, and it's in Zermatt in, you know, in July, so mm-hmm. I think that would be a nice one to go for, and then possibly see Arsenal again, but you know just try and keep the summer a little bit lighter in, in terms of racing, and keep the form going, and then maybe maybe not do Jungfrau. I'll have to see how things are going, and then try and run either an autumn marathon, or there's also the, the World Mountain Running Championships next year in uh, Patagonia in November, I thought that might be you know, that might also be another target, but I think I would I would like to try and run at least another you know two marathons before the, the sort of window closes for Tokyo uh, type thing because mm-hmm. I, I really want to run a, you know get a faster time because you know I'm happy with obviously Gold Coast and everything but I just feel that I haven't run a fast marathon so I'd <clears throat> you know like to you know take a minute or two off the time if I can. You know, just see what I can do, and then be happy that you know I've kind of my my limit with it, mm-hmm. and then you know, then think of something else.
1: I think. I mean, your half. You know, the half alone would suggest you can, and your 10k would suggest you've got the speed to go to go even quicker.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'd like to it's, it's just tough. You know, you know how it is. You, you train all you know months for it, and then on the day things can change, and you, know, you need perfect conditions,
2: and mm-hmm. you,
3: you know. So every time I'm learning a bit more, but it doesn't get any easier you know to get through the build up uh, without niggles and things so I just want to give myself the best chance I have and not kind of try and rush anything too uh, you
2: know
3: too much so if I can try to bring marathon that's great um, and then I'll think about the Alton or or maybe a sort of you know Valencia or something next year <laughs> go back and uh, have another go at it but, but
1: anyway. yeah. well that's uh, well we will be following with uh, with anticipation I know that we're Certainly the northeast. East and all our listeners anyway, everyone will be hoping that you get fit quickly and are are, are back and in the frame for, for things like Tokyo. So so before I let you go, we're gonna finish with some fart like questions, if that's alright. Okay. <laughs> right, so um here we go. So I'll kick off if you're ready. Favourite shoe?
3: Um yeah, well I can if I've retired from Salomon, I can say, um I would be ask Boston, you know, um, for just road running. Okay. Yes.
1: pre-race meal
3: uh, pizza the night before and then in the morning before race uh, oats
1: nice, we've heard stories about the amount of oats you carry to, uh, to when you go overseas oats and white caps is that all your bag full of pretty much yeah
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, morning or evening run
3: Uh, both
1: <laughs> would you rather beat Killian on a trail or Hawkins on the road
3: Killian on a trail
1: Favorite race?
3: Uh, Sears now Favorite, um, yeah. Favorite mountain race. Yeah.
1: Bankfish, Stonehaven or D side runners?
3: Ooh, that's a tricky one. Um, I say D side. Yeah.
1: Favorite distance?
3: <sighs> oh, marathon.
1: Nice. Karen Gorms or Alps?
3: Uh, oh, I'm getting soft in my old age. Definitely Alps. Warm. <laughs> smooth trails, you know.
1: Um, Post-race meal?
3: Um, Either another pizza or I thought rice, (laughs) something with rice.
1: Right. Go-to session?
3: Um, Five by a mile.
1: Running hero?
3: Um, Difficult one. When I was younger, I didn't really know of any good athletes locally, but like now, I've kind of got to know, you know Fraser Klein a lot better, I think yeah, you know, he's yeah, hero. You know all distances, mm-hmm. all terrains, over such a long period as well.
1: Nice. A Kyle, we got. I think Kyle thought he, he might be your hero from when you were younger. <laughs> um, motivational music.
3: Oh, I don't really have any, to be honest. Just, uh, just whatever. Yeah.
1: We we'll have to drop that. No one answers that one. Um, favorite place to run.
3: Um, B-side, somewhere like Glentanner.
1: Mm, nice. And lastly, if you could win one race, what would it be?
3: Seersinale. And, <laughs> <Going laughs> and trying and getting whipped. How uh, many
1: times have you have you run C-Ears and Al now?
3: Oh, what's count. I say the first one in 2012, and I've done it every year till this year. So that would be what seven years.
2: Okay. And, um,
3: I've I've been in a situation of so I was one year I was leading 500 meters before the end. And do not remember what happened. Like I, I collapsed when I got through the line but everything went, you know, all fuzzy and apparently I had a minute lead with one K to go and then I lost you know, I finished forty seconds behind the winner, so I lost a minute forty and one K. And um then one year I was a couple of seconds away and then another year I was a few seconds away and yeah, it's just one of those ones that's just so hard to win. So
1: Oh fingers but, crossed yeah. for fingers crossed for this year. Anyway, Robbie, thank you so much for coming on. It's been uh, fascinating to get have you on. It's uh, I know it's one that we've, as I said at the start, a lot of listeners that we are keen to get on, and hopefully we'll get you back on in the future again to give us an update on on how the winter going.
3: Yeah, well, thanks very much for having me on. It's been really nice talking to you. He's done done a lot of research, like I, you know, I've forgotten about half of the races, <laughs> I, you know, that i have done those. So it's good to bring back the memories again.
1: I walked down memory. How old I am. A bit of the trip down memory lane. Ah, you, you, people keep saying that. Don't worry, you're not as old. Kyle and I are, are sadly in our early thirties, so you've all, there's a you can help make you feel better. But anyway, thanks very much, and we'll <laughs> we'll uh, look forward to seeing how you go going in the in the coming months.
3: Cool. Thanks very much. Cheers, Robbie.
0: Another cracking interview, Tom. Fantastic! Thanks again, Robbie, for coming on the show. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure a, a lot of people, a lot of people will be uh, rewinding that that episode a few times to to get his insights. So yeah, well done again, Tom, for the interview. Good stuff.
1: No worries. So next up, running rants. Now, the first we've got this week is uh, one sent in by uh, by my brother-in-law, Michael Watts. Uh, Mike's a a um, runner, and he sent in a really interesting link. It was an article that was on fast running a few weeks ago and I saw I saw a few people comment on this actually, that it's all about do you need that race T shirt? And it's I guess it's not so much of a rant, it's quite an interesting point in discussion is, you know, more races are handing out T shirts so many times now. Um, you know, all races and there's you know, a lot there's a movement now suggesting that environmental from an environmentally friendly perspective, it's not that friendly. Um, because a lot of the t shirts are quite quite poor, they fall apart, they're just not very good quality. Um, you know, essentially just you know crappy crappy quality. So really there's there's microfibers that can come loose in, in the washing machine and get into the water system and all end up in the ocean is what one of these ultra runners on the in the article is talking about. Is Dan Lawson.
0: Dan, yes, Lawson, it is he's Dan Lawson Yeah. a twenty four hour marathon guy. That's Crazy right. Guy. So, yeah, he's not, so
1: he's set up a, a company called rerun clothing which is all about um, how you know we can change this and they talk about um, rerunning clothing so would you consider purchasing pre-loved clothing instead of new kit so um, and uh, you know moving on from that I've even heard you know talk of edible race medals recently, which is another interesting um, way to minimize basically the junk that races are creating. What's your take on this, Kyle?
0: Ah, uh, yes and no. I mean, I think that I think there's something quite nice about getting junk well, maybe not junk, but good quality goodie bags. But it's also depending on the price that you pay for the, the race. I mean like uh, I mean a good a prime example, and I know this is London Marathon, but you get a good quality t shirt. You know, you get an Adidas yeah. race t shirt. Um but you also go to races and you like you know, you, you get like a another pla- you know, another plastic medal or you know, a medal that you're not really wanting to put up and, onto your mantelpiece because it just looks so damn flimsy and just doesn't look great. It doesn't even have the the race in the back of it, so you actually don't know what where you got it in 10 years time. Um, but equally, they run Gary races. I've they, every year they put on that you get a T-shirt, and um, and I've got all 10 of them. Uh, not all 10 of them, but I've the last 10 years I've accumulated a number of them. And I think they're great. I mean, I, I, I use them for, for going to bed or going for a nice easy run because I don't want to use my good quality T-shirts when I'm putting on like a, a base layer or another jacket on top and I'm just going to be sweating through it. So I quite like to have just a crappy T-shirt to wear. And then I keep my good quality running T-shirts for maybe if I'm going to the gym or if I'm going to be out in the summertime and I don't look like a bag of tatties. Um <laughs> So, so I'm kind of the, on the fence, really. But in terms of the environmental impact, I I do agree. You do get, you know, there's, I mean, I just did a massive clear out of clothes and there was a lot of running gear that I, I had to throw out. But I didn't throw it out. I gave it to charity. So it wasn't like I was putting it in the bin. So I, I reckon maybe there's just a bit more awareness needed that don't throw your stuff out. Just take it to the local charity shop and they'll, They'll upsell it, or they'll they'll give it to somebody who really needs it. Would you, does that would, answer your question?
1: It does. What what would you say to taking a a pre-loved T-shirt at a race if that was an offer on an offer at the race event?
0: I've, I've taken one, a pre-loved one.
1: All right, that was what you were getting out of a uh, a race. What would you think of that?
0: Be a bit. Would it not be a bit stinky though? I was. where well, we washed? I don't know. I don't know if I want uh somebody's smelly t-shirt. I'm gonna, gonna be honest, Tom.
2: You know,
1: like the, there's uh the trotters. They do a race. the the, the great Is it the great Bob Trot or something? And it's a, obviously, it's a Mick take on the some of the great runs. And I was down in Edinburgh once I went along to it years ago. And you get you get a race t-shirt, but you have to bring a race t-shirt. So you basically bring a t-shirt, <laughs> put it in a bucket, then you pull out another one. So ah, really, god! So it's go like away. putting your
0: keys in there.
1: It's, well, like your well, it's not quite that bad. <laughs> but I, you know, on the subject, though, I think it's an interesting one. I think too many races charge a lot of money and give you a T-shirt that you don't really need. To be honest, I mean, I've got—I agree with you. London Marathon T-shirt, absolutely fantastic. I've kept it. Frankfurt, no T-shirt. And
0: I've got I think, no, and yeah, I've got no
1: I, issue. I've got no issue with that at all.
0: I think, I think, you're yeah, I get, I get that. I think you know, a lot of, a lot of organizers, a lot of races are, um, you know, you're, you're getting the T-shirt. To, to add value to the event. And I know it's, you know, it's almost not to entice people to, to come and uh, participate in the event, but, I mean, T-shirts to buy, you know, mass race T-shirts that are really, really cheap. I mean, you're talking 50p a T-shirt. So, you know, if you're charging £20 for a 10k event and you get a free T-shirt, people would probably expect to get a free T-shirt. Um, but But likewise, Tom, for me, personally... I would rather have a free beer, yeah, or like a free yeah, um, beer beer glass. Like a prime example is we do this. We, we we us and me and you and the the rest a couple of pals like Sluggy and stuff. We do the Stonehaven Sportive every year, mm-hmm. and you get a free entry into the the beer festival. You get a free you get a free pint, and you also get a free um you also get a free pint glass, glass don't you?
1: Yeah, you do.
0: And you also get a free T-shirt, but it's a cotton one. And uh, and I know that you wear your one in a night out. It's quite it's quite trendy. It's quite a trendy night T-shirt, out. isn't it? <laughs> aye, aye, don't don't lie. I saw you walking it up and up and down the high street with your Stonehaven sportive t- cotton T-shirt on. Don't you tell me, Porkies.
1: I'm a, I'm a big fan of this T-shirt. I don't think I've ever worn it anywhere outside the flat though. <laughs>
0: anyway, well, I, all right, okay. I yeah, okay. I agree you, with you.
1: That's you a maybe, bargain.
0: Yeah, that's a bargain, yeah. So it's like, well, how are you going to add value to a race in another way? Now, that's maybe a question to put back to the listeners. How could you add value to a race, or what would you like to see at a race that perhaps isn't, you know, a T-shirt? Question I think
1: the other thing is, if for me, if a race is 15 quid, and the race organiser had an option to, and it's a small local race, or even even not a small race, just a just a race, and it was fifteen quid entry or eight pounds. Say if you don't take a T-shirt, I would take the eight pound entry every time. Because I'm, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got an Aloha Half Marathon T-shirt from two thousand twelve, which is it's a great T-shirt and I wear it all the time. So I'm like, I don't need. So if I go down to do the say the Aloha Half Marathon two thousand nineteen, I don't need a T-shirt. I'm not that fussed about getting a T-shirt from it. You know, but, I'm I'm beyond I'm beyond being, wanting to show off that I've done that race.
0: Also, though, from a race perspective, though, if you run an event, say a local event, and they mass produce T-shirts, everyone wears them around the town, around the city. It's a great way of promoting your event. So, you know, from a race organ race organisers perspective, I would be, I'd definitely be providing a T-shirt. Yeah. Because it, it's cheap and it's really cheap to, you know, to produce. But I do understand environmental impact, but. So you know, but I mean, not not everyone not everyone does a race every week or a race every month. That might be maybe one or two races, and the runners will will cherish that T shirt until it's got holes in it. Yeah, and then they'll give it away to a charity shop. I hope.
1: Possibly. So basically, yeah. So anyway, it's an interesting interesting subject. I think you're. It just is a a nice reminder that yeah, we shouldn't be race organisers. Have a think of what you put in your bag. I mean, the number of the number of the amount of shit you get in bags these days, like you sachets of, like Pantene Pro V. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, Jesus. I mean, imagine you're a bald runner and you're getting that in your uh, <laughs> in your uh, in your race bag. Absolute discrimination. Oh
0: well, yeah, yeah. It would be. Um, I mean, uh, what is what is the worst thing that you've had in your your goodie bag?
1: Ooh, that's an interesting question. Uh, it'll probably be something just really unmemorable.
0: I had, uh, I had a man wipe. Oh, dear. Uh, just uh, one sachet of man wipes. I can't even remember. Dude wipes, it was called. Have you ever heard of that? Dude wipes?
1: Yeah, I, I, I reckon, actually, actually, I, I reckon, got one of those. In a, I got one of those still named Sportive ones. Remember <laughs> yeah. You got it as well.
0: Uh, I mean, I don't know what a dude wipe is, but... I got it when I was at the Chicago Marathon. That's right, and I didn't know what it was for. Do you? What do you do? You wipe the ass with it, or do you wipe the face with it? I, I didn't say what it was for, but it was just a dude wipe. I mean, it was a little bit. It looked like yeah. a condom like packet. I was like, what the hell is this? But anyway, <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I
1: can't. I actually can't. I don't know what would be the worst thing. I tell you what is a good thing. In my race bag at the end of Frankfurt, I got a. I got a tube of toothpaste. Did you? Which is proven really useful. I'm using it. It's great. It's a normal but, sized tube of toothpaste. After Fantastic.
0: all those gels you had, you would have needed something there. Yeah. brush your, you know, that's Fantastic. the thing. about gel. I mean, getting getting free food, I, I think, is great. Anyway, I'm going to go on to a crack. And goodie bag is actually going to be at the Aberdeen Santa Run. Fantastic value for money. Now, this is my, This isn't really a pitch because this is really good value for money. So, the Santa Run this Sunday. I'm organising it, it's sponsored by Mackie's of ice cream and they're putting a free chocolate bar in everyone's goodie bags and I think there's like a voucher for the, the Mackie's parlor as well um, and also you get a free gym and swim pass for ASV, you get a a, a really good meal deal and you're getting a, a customised Santa run medal, it's, it's a really good goodie bag, so uh, for me, I, I'm you know being an organizer, I'm like, well, I want to give people a really good goodie bag. I don't want people to get shite in their goodie bag, you know. But anyway, probably everyone who's listening to this and does the Santa run, they're probably going to be complaining because the goodie bag trap is going to be crap. But I don't think it is.
1: So what about so. why? Why is there not a beer going there? You just said you said right there. You think there should be beers in in goodie bags? Why won't you deliver on your own uh, on your
0: own beliefs? Because it's for children, Tom.
1: Right. Okay for right. children and adults right okay save good save there was on the spot right so that was uh, that anyway race bags let us know what is your worst what's the worst thing you found in a race in a race bag that's uh, I like
0: that and what's your best one as well and best yeah and we'll we'll, we'll give them a shout out next week
1: next up we've uh, old man Dave's been in touch
0: he has he has after, um, after,
1: he's not running I mean to be fair shout out to Dave uh, Dave Andrews, friend of the show, who is injured at the moment. And then Dave, you know, you would have heard about Dave in our first few episodes when he was cleaning up vet prizes at the uh, at the National Trail Champs National Ultra Trail Champs sorry. And he's winning, and he won Glen Lyon Ultra. Was it Glenn Lyon?
0: It was Glen Lyon. Yeah, I think it was that one. So yeah,
1: Dave was cleaning up on the ultra scene at the start of the year, but unfortunately, he's been injured for a while, so um, he's gone off the radar a bit. I, I see Dave at work, but he's been he's been in touch.
0: He has. So his question is, uh what training do you fall back to when you're injured? Obviously injury may dictate this. Cross trainer, swimming, aqua jogging, rowing, cycling or just hit the weights. What the feck are you supposed to do when all all you only ever did is was run? I can just imagine Dave and his Irish accent saying this, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it in an Irish tone. So so Tom, what what would you do? Injury For me, rise? I'm,
1: I'm a I'm, if I got if I had an injury tomorrow, I'd be on the turbo trainer in the evening. That's because I'm. I think you go to what what you're what you're ready for, and I know I can go and set up the turbo jump on it, put some tunes on, and bash out a session. I think after a couple of weeks, if I was still injured, I might start looking at how do I get some aqua jogging in to get some more specific stuff. I know a lot of people hate it, but I've also seen a lot of people who have maintained some fitness on it. I mean, my wife is Fiona has been on the has been aqua jogging for about. Two months now, and she's. I think she's, you know, yeah, she's she needs a bit of sharpness to come back, but I think she's that's been good for her. But I think, yeah, you've got to have a. I think it's good to have a fallback that you fall onto. And I, you know, me, Kyle, I'm a big fan of Zwift. So, any, oh, listeners, yeah. any listeners who are not aware of Zwift, it's a, a cycling, it's basically an, imagine a cross, a cross between a computer game and a Turbo Trainer. That's what it is. You plug your Turbo <laughs> Trainer into your laptop and you cycle around Zwift Island this virtual Zootopia. World. Zootopia, that's it. And it is z- amazing. Absolutely amazing. Because you're riding along virtually against real people. You can race them, you can do segments, and you can do sessions, and you can do power sessions. And I think it's absolutely amazing. It's the most sort of uh, immersive virtual experience I've had in a long time, since I used to play FIFA online at university. So um, <laughs> so it's uh, that is... That's definitely what I would suggest. What about you? Uh, you're, you're a bit different, are you not?
0: Mine's the Nintendo Wii, Tom. <laughs> Nintendo well, Wii is sitting on the couch and, and feeling sorry for myself. Just, I remember, you're a big fan of Pokemon Go, you not, Kyle? Pokemon, yeah, well, Pokemon, <laughs> there's Pokemon. <laughs> What's it called? Is that the one when you walk around and you find them? This isn't it.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah, the yeah. people who get the people who get in your way when you're running. I remember last summer trying to do a bloody tempo run on the beach. Ah, oh, Christ! Oh, I remember sitting that, on their of phones, course. sitting yeah. on their phones. There's some Pokemon apparently you could get down there. They're thinking, get out of the way.
0: Oh, they were in the way. They literally were in the way. Um, uh, I remember doing a session. I think I was doing a two case, uh, a two mile session from the bottom of the top of the prompt to the bottom. And there was a fucking Pokemon right at the bottom of the – just before the, the the finish line. And they were all just on their phones like, get the hell out of the way. There's like five or six of them I swarming you. about you. Oh, God. But uh, anyway, get, getting back to the, the point. So I'm a, I'm a little bit like you, Tom. I think for me, when I was injured uh, a few – a couple of years ago, I was out for about nine months. Uh, and, and I ended up just getting on the bike and, and almost still – doing specific tailored sessions that i would have done running but i just did them on the bike and um, the downside of doing them on the bike is and you'll know this as well is the time you almost have to spend longer yeah. doing the workout than than you would if it was running because it's non weight-bearing um so that 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 in itself as well like you're always weight-bearing when you run um now the moment you stop doing any weight-bearing that's you know that's what it's going to be it's going to be really hard to get back to to that level of fitness um you know once you start recovering so i would always recommend if you can and again depending on what what the injury is is to keep walking as well and and to keep some sort of element of of weight bearing and that could be a really good opportunity to to do that you know obviously you'll do your physio prescribed exercises but but also just really get strong and use it as a as a way of of it, finding weaknesses in your running that you weren't able to do when you weren't running um while you're does that make sense while yeah, you're
1: yeah while you're, um, yeah
0: because you don't really get the time when you're always running to to do the cross training side of things so i reckon it's always important to always maintain some element of cross training consistently even when you're running so that when that time comes that you get an injury you're not completely alien to it um so yeah, like you say, Tom, getting on the turbo. You, you're right. I mean, how in, in a scale of one to ten, if you do a workout in a turbo, oh. you are absolutely, absolutely yeah, exactly, absolutely pummeled. Um, so that's a really good op- opportunity for you still to get your heart rate up. Do you ever uh, use a, Do you ever use an elliptical trainer, Kyle? I, I do, yeah. Um, so I've used an elliptical trainer, but I also like the stair climber. Um, it's the only it's the only ever um level of intensity that I find I can reach uh that I don't get from running if that makes sense or that I get from running so I, I think I can get my heart rate up to it's usually when I'm doing an effort session it's about 100 if I'm doing like a really hard session or a race I can get it to 119 I can do the same on the stair climber um and I think it's yeah for me for me that's what I like to do probably a combination of the stair climber Getting on the bike, uh, getting outside if I can, doing some hill repeats on the bike as well. Outside's quite good, uh, but also getting on the turbo and smashing some sessions in there as well. So that's that's it for me. Um, but yeah, I, I would really like to to get in the weights if I if I did get if I did get injured. But yeah, it's aqua jogging. I've done a bit of that, but I just find it he- hellishly boring. But um, but also it's probably you know it's the best technique. Running technique you can get, you know, compared to like rowing or cycling or, or even the elliptical, uh, it's you know aqua jogging is probably the closest you're gonna get unless you've got a, one of those um, alter G treadmills. Tom. Oh, that's that's the dream. Yeah. So what? So does that round up? Does that round up the the answers? I suppose. I think
1: it. I think it does. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. The key is just something that gets your juices going, gets you motivated. I mean, if you, I think if you're facing a long time on the on it, I mean you've got you talked about the good benefits there and also just something that will keep you sane. Um, and think about the goals. Think about you will be back and if the cross training is is what you need to do to get to keep you fit for those goals next year when you're fixed, then it's the small sacrifice to pay. So I hope that helps you, Dave. I know Dave is obviously, hope. hopefully, fingers crossed, Dave, we see you back running soon on the, uh, properly back on your ultra scene. Fingers
0: moving, crossed.
1: Moving, fingers crossed. Moving on from running rants, on to race news. The main bit of news we've got actually is just to touch on Scotland's Steph Twell, who debuted at the marathon yesterday in Valencia and ran an absolutely cracking two thirty, and that places Steph. It's the second the second quickest um, time this year by a, a female Brit. and I think is she not?
0: It's the number five all time Scottish all time woman. Yeah, as well. I mean, so absolutely uh, fantastic,
1: and the way just, she ran uh, it with a negative split as well
0: i think it was her first what was her first split was it not 75 32 for the first half and then 74 40 for the second yeah that's that's incredible
1: it really is yeah it's uh it's a, that's a yeah minute quicker in the second half so yeah
0: really so good. the scottish like the scottish women's all-time top five so we've got a uh, Eliz- liz McColgan in 1997 running 226 52 Freya murray 2012 running 228 10. Kathy Butler in 2006, 228, and Haley Haynan 229, the 13th of April, 2008. And uh, finally, we've got Steph 12, just rounding up the top five in 230, 12. So, fantastic.
1: Very exciting, and for Steph, you know, Steph is someone that we're would love to get on the show at some time. Steph is, uh, is obviously, you know, we've seen her running 1,500, 5,000, and all sorts, so it will be well, mainly mainly five thousand. Let's be honest, um, but that's really you know really exciting to see her there. And you know you've got to say she must be one of the favourites to make the British team now for Tokyo if she decides that she wants to, to focus on that. So I, I saw an interview earlier with Steve Maguire of Scotch Alex Performance, and he was talking about you know whether Doha will come in her plan. Obviously Steph's coached by Jeff Whiteman, so really interested to see how that um, how what unfolds for her, her next year.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, so, in terms of Valencia, we also had Gemma Rankin who was running as well. She ran a two forty eight. So, well done to Gemma. And uh, our pal Stuart McDougall got a personal best as well, didn't he? He got a he did a two
1: thirty five. Hi, big shout out to McDougall. And uh, yeah, we also yeah there was a, a Tom Martin from uh, Metro Avenue as well. Ran a two fifty eight. So. Good day in Valencia, maybe one we should add to the list for the future.
0: I think so. Yeah. I I know uh, Stuart Stuart always keeps uh, going on about Valencia, how it's a great marathon. So maybe maybe one of these days we should do it. But it's a good one. That's in December as well. So you know, mm. there's not, not that many fast marathons later on in the season. So
2: absolutely.
1: If
0: I, I think if if you do have a you know a, 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 a kind of a crappy summer, then there's there's no reason that could be an option to, mm. uh, to, to find a, a marathon before the year's end, so.
2: Yeah.
1: In other race news, so we also had another female Scott on the, on the race, or in the racing action, I should say, over the weekend, Eilish McColgan. So Eilish, uh, ran in what we, what, according to her, is her last race of the year, so she ran the, the Percy Pud 10k and won it, um, in 32:39, which was quite close to her own, her own course record. Um, so well done to Ailish. We actually copied Ailish last week, so Ailish will be on the show next week. So stay tuned for a uh, for uh, a catch with Ailish McCulgan to hear about her and a bit of what her career to date um, and what she does in her training and whatnot.
0: Exciting times, yeah. That's that's really good. Uh, so other than that, Tom, it's all, it's all about it's all about this weekend. It's the this weekend indeed. The the Santa run. So anyway. <laughs> yeah, the Saturn Run. Yeah, anyway, we'll talk about that that type of race another time, right? Eh? Do
1: you know what the so yeah actually we're going to talk about it now. So the <laughs> bloody Saturn Run. So we're looking at this. Kyle's not allowed to say this because he organises it, and, and I'm sure he. But
0: I it's, went on the It's race all for results. charity, Tom.
1: It is, which is fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but I went on the race results right for to have a, get. A, this is this afternoon to get a feel for what we're going to talk about this afternoon. Let me just read you through them. Poole Santa Jog, Dundee Santa Five K, Liverpool Santa Dash Five K, Edinburgh Christmas Five K, Edinburgh Christmas Ten K, Jog Scotland Christmas Cracker Five K, Dingwall Puffin Pool Santa Hat, Hoot Hill Christmas Pudding Ten K. I mean, you forgot about the Den just,
0: Dasher. <laughs> the <Den> Sorry. <laughs> Jesus, I mean,
1: these whatever. Why are there so many? I I mean. There's too many races. There's t- just too many.
0: There's too, there's too there's too there's too many people and there's too many races. There's not there's enough too races.
1: Many bloody Santa races. What, since when did dress up as Santa? Why is there no Easter bunny races?
0: No, uh, well, that's here that's another a TRS Easter bunny to market be correct. There you go. Yeah. So talking about funny names. So I tell you, what there's a fast course. 10 mile turkey trot. Yes, okay. My Roadrunners. Now, yes. that's a fast 10-miler. So if anyone wants to do a fast... I don't know if there's any entries now, but it usually fills up pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, get yourself along with that race if, if you haven't already signed up. It's a lossy mouth, but it's, it's home to some quick times. Oh, I'm,
1: I'm but Honestly, I'm looking down this list.
0: The yeah, plum pudding right. puddin plod in Forfa.
1: Do uh, you know what, though? Push them back. We've talked about them already. The heroes that are PH Racing are putting a race on on the 28th of December. All these people have got these people are busy this time of year, pushing to the Christmas holidays. You know, I'm I'm much more interested in a Santa Dash when I'm not
0: at work. I've this- got it. Uh, there's 400 people coming to the Aberdeen Santa Run. Blimey. Exactly. It's all you've got to start somewhere, Tom. There's yeah. um there's wave there's wave ones full, wave twos there's still spaces. Uh, and there's also the Santa Mile Dash. I right? think there's ten more spaces, so you bring your family along and you can come and come and uh, come and see me and keep me company. Yeah. And a you get a great goodie bag as well.
1: What's the difference between a Santa Dash and a Santa Run?
0: Or a... I don't know. I think it's the same. A Dash, you It's faster. You have to go. around Run is just a run, isn't it? You you're dashing to the. I don't know.
1: Dashing through the snow. Exactly on a
0: one-horse open sleigh. It's, uh, there's drummers coming along to our, our run as well. We've got the, the... I can't remember the name of them, but there's drummers starting the race. So there you go. Another is, is reason it, to come. Is it timed? It's not timed. But so you it's can not, time it. All
1: right, that's
0: why it's a run, not a race. You can, you can time it if you want. You can, I don't mind, do whatever you want to do. If you want to sing, you can sing. If you want to just race it, you can race it. Uh, I, um,
1: I do guess, I think it's I think it's great. I think these there's a because but this is where i get the thing is though it's i guess the when i just look at the list i don't see which are this is obviously a very is a great cause and i'm just being a bad humbug is what i am that's all i'm being i should it's be a, embracing the fact but i've got i'm at home i've got my feeling is desperate to get the Christmas tree up and i'm thinking it's it's too early it's too early for this and i'm inundated with santa races
0: Oh, we got our one, we got our one uh, opened, opened, we got, I got ours down from the loft on the weekend, and they're up.
1: Wow, that's God.
0: early. It's home Alone 2, I told you I was listen, watching that, so, getting right into the Christmas spirit, you wee bah humbug. <laughs> yeah, I I will, I'm,
1: yeah, I will get you've into got, the
0: spirit. God, look at, look for, you've got your birthday to look forward to as well. Do
1: you know, when I was younger, the rule, the rule was, no Christmas decoration go up till after my birthday. That's a uh, fifteenth of December is when we start the Christmas celebrations. Two weeks, it's plenty of time to warm up.
0: Yeah, we've got yeah, two weeks. We've got um we've also got a carry night to look forward to.
1: Yes, we do, we do, yeah.
0: We need to, 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 to get, get outside.
1: We do. I'm, anyway, I'm, I'm painting a bad picture of myself of being a bad humbug. I am a big fan of, of racing at this time of the year, but I'm, uh I'm just I'm just astounded at how many Santa runs there are now. We've just finished the Mo runs I mean, <laughs> what is it? I mean, it, it's unbelievable.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, you're right. What,
1: what? Your next thing you'll be saying is going to be you know, say Easter. And, what about Guy Fox? Why does he Guy, get a 10K?
0: It's because he's got a fire to... He's on the fire. He can't run through fire.
1: Yeah, but Santa's got a whole day.
0: Quite right. He's, he's a big man. Yeah. There's a... But yeah, no, I think maybe there's Easter Bunny 5k, sounds quite good.
1: Yeah, I think that is honestly a, a market we can crack.
0: Yeah, TRS, Tartan Running Shorts, Easter Bunny. A bunny, you dress up as a bunny and you have Tartan Running Shorts and you, run five, you hop 5k on this cross country course with lots of actual bunny rabbits around it.
1: Yeah. Right, this is really going south. This chat.
0: I'm up. Getting... Dude,
1: well, last thing. So before we go, we've already mentioned to everyone we've got our we've got the Christmas TRS and friends coming up soon. Um, we're gonna have fan favorites such as Ben Ward, Run Beer, Chris Richardson. <laughs> we've got Cameron Russell Strachan. <laughs> we've got uh, Kenny Wilson. We've got uh, Nicola Gold. We've got all the the top Northeast running talent. Miles Edwards. We've got um, who else have we got?
0: I think we mentioned our wives, the idiot. Of
1: course, of course. Scotland international Fiona Bryan. We've got international triathlete Debbie Gregg. We've got we've got all sorts. So yeah, if you want to hear from any of these guys and girls, let us know. That's uh, we we've got um, yeah. If you wanna, you want Chris Richardson to tell you how to navigate split London on a hot day, or you wanna you wanna hear from Cameron Strachan and more about rustlers then. Get your questions in. They're they're all very excited about it.
0: <laughs> and we're, we're 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 really excited to have them on the show because we are. The more, I mean, like I say, it's 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 really it's about it's a birthday party in disguise. Yes, it,
1: it is actually. Yeah.
0: So make sure you bring the cakes, guys. And that's another hint for you. See, so you bring, bring your uh, Christmas jumper, but you also have to bring a a cake for Tom and myself for our birthday. Yeah. So that's that's a, That's a code. So if they haven't got if they haven't got both of them, the door gets shut behind, the, the door gets slammed yeah. in front of them. Anyway, right? We're really rambling now, aren't we?
1: We are. So as always, listeners, if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do tartanrunningshorts at gmail On Facebook, we're at tartanrunningshorts, and on Twitter, we're at tartanshorts. So with that one, Kyle, we will bid everyone
0: adieu yes we will thank you again for listening to this rambling of running um, and we will see you all next week for another exciting show and th- next week will be with Eilish McCoggan as well so mm. another cracking show lined up for next week
1: <laughs> can't wait
0: <laughs> bye <laughs> see you later <laughs>